Competing for the title of Minnesota's American Teen Princess sure was exciting, but I never could have won without my St. Paul pork products. I've been enjoying St. Paul pork products for years. I grew up right next to these stockyards. It's still the same family-run business that Walter and Vera Polarski started in 1920 when they raised and slaughtered their first pig. Mmm. -hmm. Oh, I just love St. Paul pork products. In fact, I love them so much, I work here now. Once again, Peace City Beef Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill. And with me is Mr. Jeffrey X. Martin. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Happy New Year, everybody. No, that's the fucking weekend of the year. Never mind. How's <laughs> <laughs> things, friend? <laughs> things are good, man. Can't complain. I'm not even sure I have a beef this week. Oh, we'll see. I'm know. thinking about it. I may play off somebody else's. Be getting inspired, see? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> also with us is uh, my friend, uh, Jamie Jenkins. How are you? I'm doing well. He stole my Happy New Year line, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, and I don't know about that beef thing. I think the last time we recorded, you were like, I don't have a beef. And then it went on for like 10 minutes. And it was, or wait, no, was that me? I, I may have been both of us. <laughs> I think it was both of us. I think we're going, we're happy-go-lucky. Fuck everything. And also it was like this Tetris beef that just kept building up. Uh, but I am doing well. Happy to be here. The, the music gets faster and faster and faster and faster. And then. <laughs> and all I need is one of those straight ones, and I never get those. <laughs> That's <straight>. right. <laughs> oh, goddamn Russians in their video games. And with us, with us from across the pond and everyone under the stairs and such, Mr. Duncan McLeish, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for inviting me back on your show. Oh, it's been a long time. <laughs> um, I am trying to... Remember, we did a zombie show. Was that the last time I was on? I believe so. Jesus, that, yeah, that's that's just about the two-year mark now, I think. Just over two years, maybe? Fuck. That's bad form, Gary. We did yeah, Twilight yeah. Zone stuff, though. I mean, you that counts. Should, you should just wear a shirt that says, I'm in demand, because you're, you're highly in demand, sir. And... Uh, yeah, yeah, sometimes, and then sometimes not. It depends, it depends what I'm saying, and it depends who can understand me. <laughs> and I'm here representing the word hogmanay. And I'm going to campaign on your show 
to try and use it as much as possible so people leave this show instead of using New Year's Eve you're going to use Hogmanay from now on we should call it, as, as, as X likes to call it Hogmanay because that's how it's spelled right For heaven forbid I should pronounce something like it's spelled <laughs> Duncan oh you <laughs> son of you son of a bitch <laughs> Tell him Jeopardy. That's right. Uh, Jeopardy. <laughs> Three damn syllables. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> He's got the Duncan do attitude, see? <laughs> That's right. They call me Duncan, not Duncan, Jeff. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I guess we'll start out. I'll start with our guest, actually. Duncan, what have you watched of interest lately? Um, oh, oh God! Uh, th- there have been things. Some of them have been very good. Uh, one of the best movies I've seen in quite some time. Um, I watched it again recently. Was Bone Tomahawk? Um, Love it. It's fucking an amazing movie from a guy who clearly has an amazing future ahead of him. Um, can't say enough good things about that. Uh, also checked out The Revenant. It's the new DiCaprio movie, which is. Uh, it might already, it might, it might already be the best movie that's going to come out in 2016. I just get that feeling. It's fucking phenomenal. Tom Hardy playing a villain. I love it when Tom Hardy plays villains. And DiCaprio should, in theory, get an Oscar. But we know how they love him over there. Um, yeah. So, so th- those are probably the ones that I've, I've really enjoyed um, recently. I haven't actually checked out all that much that I didn't like, which is good. Um, and that's including the shows for tonight, uh, the movies for tonight. Um, I, I don't want to go too far ahead of things, but apart from minor groups of some of them, I think this is a fine selection of movies. And the people out there will be surprised to hear what movie it was that kind of snared me to do this one, because it's not the obvious one at all. Because uh, the one that I picked uh, is I Need to Do the Show. Gary, please let me on your show, please, please, please. Um is, is one that no one ever talks about, and I don't fucking know why. I think it's amazing. I think the Asper snare is, I think you could blame Critters 3 for that one. Yeah, it's the Curse of Critters. So, <laughs> um, I don't know why. I, I, I get, the Oscars can be really strange at times and really fickle in that, like, sometimes they will overlook an actor for so long that they eventually pity Oscar, that person, and it's generally for a role which is quite shit. Um, so I, I don't doubt that he will get one. I just think he probably should have had about two or three by now. So, Well, yeah, The Departed's uh, one of my go-to movies all the time, so mm. I watch it all. Uh, Jeff? I watched Straight Outta Compton, and I really liked Straight Outta Compton. Which is interesting because I really don't give that much of a shit about NWA. <laughs> Probably because I'm a 40-something-year-old white dude. <laughs> but still, I can appreciate any band that releases a single called Fuck the Police. Um, that's kind of, you know, giddy, happy, in a weird sort of adolescent way. <clears throat> um, but no, that's a really good movie. The director's cut is almost three hours long. So you can either watch Patton or you can watch Straight Outta Compton. I'm going to suggest watching the speech from the beginning of Patton and then watching Straight Outta Compton. I think they go together in a very interesting and and, and strange way. Um, Also, this is kind of a spoiler. We did watch the movie for the next episode of Kiss the Goat. 
which is the 1978 TV movie Devil Dog Hound of Hell. Yes. Wow. Wow. I strangely love that movie. You know what's amazing to me is not only do you have the reunion of Kim Richards and Ike Eisenman from Escape to Witch Mountain, but you've also got the fact that Kim Richards is like maybe 11, 12 in this movie. I don't know. But she's already got that voice like she's been drinking whiskey and smoking seven packs of cigarettes a day. She sounds like Selma Diamond throughout the whole movie. Don't touch my poppy. You know, shit like that. That's amazing to me. I really, I really enjoyed just that as probably literally just that aspect of it. So, yeah, that's what that's that's what I've been watching. Uh, Jamie. Well, um, let's see. Uh, we watched. We started watching the Diehards because Christmas, and you know, Die Hard. And so we went through one and two around Christmas time. And somehow we ended up skipping the third one, which I like. No one likes the third one, but I like the third one. But somehow we didn't watch that one. But I did. I, I had love never seen... the third one. That's my. Yay! That's, yeah, it goes one, three, two, four, five. Yay! See, I love the third one too. So Is that um, one with the Jeremy Irons? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, and Samuel Jackson. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, um, but I had never seen the fourth one. Live and let die hard. Good live to die. What the fuck is the name of it? <laughs> die hard day to live. I don't even know. I don't. I know the other. The last one is a good day to die hard. Right. Live that live one. free or die hard. Live free or die hard. It's Thank New you. Hampshire's okay. license plates. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I um I finally watched that one because I just had never seen either of the two newer ones, and I really liked that one. I thought that was very fun. I still haven't seen a good day to die hard, but I've heard it's not so much good. But um. Anyway, so I watched that one. I really enjoyed it. Watched Burnt Offerings because Brian gave it to me on Blu-ray for Christmas, so that was exciting. Um, That's the gift that keeps on giving. I love that movie. That's such uh, a good movie. And it looks beautiful on Blu-ray. It oh, really does. I bet. Um, watched Bone Tomahawk again because, yay, uh, love that movie. And, oh, we went to see The Hateful Eight. Oh, I did as well. I know Gary I, wasn't. Gary, you didn't like that, did you? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a, a lot of chatty shit that doesn't go anywhere. And but that's I, when Tarantino is best when what, characters I, are chatty. I, I lost my tolerance for him since Kill Bill Volume Two all the way. Just, just right. well, uh, anyway, uh, otherwise, like good in parts. No, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just don't like it very much. You know, to each their own. I thought it was nice and violent, and I mean, you know. As they are, but he had uh, that really fun headshot that was in there. It was just, oh, it, was uh, it was, it was a good time. I enjoyed the hell out of it. And it had, we had these two silver haired old ladies sitting right in front of us. And I mean, like exactly what you picture when I say little bitty silver haired <laughs> old ladies, they had to be like in their eighties and they were just like pumping their fists and they were like, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, with, all wow. the, with all those Edwards, it was felt right at home. Yeah. I was like, oh, look at them go. Um, and I'm like, you know what? It shouldn't be surprising. I guess that's going to be me when I'm 80. Like, I'm going to be at a Tarantino. Well, I don't know if he'll be making films when I'm 80, but <laughs> if he is good on him. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'll still be going to horror films and, and going to bloody affairs. So, you know, good on them. It was fun, though. Um, watched just last night this movie that Brian got in for review and... I was kind of excited just because it sounded like it might be interesting. And Nick Dimitri is in it, which uh, I love Nick Dimitri. Only he's only in it for about a minute. Uh, but it's called Condemned. And 
it's all about this, uh, these people who get trapped and they're living in a condemned building in Manhattan and they get trapped in the building and this virus kind of breaks out from, it's basically a buildup of all the crap that people, that all these people living in this building have been throwing down their drains and they're like junkies living there and pimps living there and, you know, and so it kind of ends up reminding me a little bit of like Mulberry Street or, um, it's like, really, it's like, this is what happens when someone watches Wreck and then, um, tries to do something along those same lines. Cause it was all really inside the same building and it was, had a, you could see that there was a lot of Wreck influence. At least I thought there was. Only it just wasn't as good. It really, uh, it disappointed me quite a bit. And especially because Nick, I mean, he, I love Nick Dimitri. Love him. I mean, Duncan, you know that because we did. We spoke about him for. Yeah, we spoke about him at great detail, and uh, yeah, I've not seen anything. Even I'm not the biggest fan of the the late phases movie. I I thought it was alright. I didn't I didn't love it, but his performance in it is excellent. And he, all the small roles he's had in the the Mickle movies have been excellent. Excellent. So if his name was attached to a movie, I would go in fairly optimistic. So. Yeah, exactly. And no, I mean, he really is very underutilized. I think they sort of bring him in as a ta-da moment, but it, the movie just doesn't support that. I mean, it's just, uh, eh, um, I, I kind of say you have to skip it. Um, and other than that, uh, the next three will all begin with the letter A because uh, Brian and Dave Z and I have started a new show called The ABCs of Hidden Horror, and it's not obscure horror. This is not like we're not trying to be all fancy and go, look what we know that you don't. This is not what that's about. It's just films that we think don't get talked about enough or films that we've always wanted to talk about on some show somewhere and never have gotten the opportunity to do so. And so we're going, we're starting with the letter A and just going through the alphabet, and each one of us is bringing a movie to the table. So for that first episode... Uh, I watched Alligator, Absentia, and Audition. Ah, that's a good selection. Yeah, and you'll have to listen to the show to see who picked what and why. But um, uh, hopefully people will. I mean, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that maybe someone out there hasn't seen those films. Actually, my choice, Dave had never seen before. And my choice for the next show, Dave had never seen before. So uh, if nothing else, we're kind of helping ourselves, I guess. <laughs> I can't wait till we get to the letter Z so one of you can talk about Zardoz. <laughs> oh, crap. I haven't thought that far ahead. Oh, it deserves to be talked about. Yeah, he's just one of my countrymen walking around in a skimpy pair of red <laughs> budgie smugglers holding a laser. Come on. That's cinematic gold. Are we going to be fighting over who gets to do Q, the winged serpent? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> that, could, that, could, that could break up the podcast right there, see? <laughs> but anyway, so that's it. That's what I've watched recently. Mm, as far as me, I watch a lot of things. So I give you a few highlights, I guess. Uh, one of my big watches was what I heard about. It's a documentary about the great John Micklethor called I Am Thor, if you guys know who that guy is. He's a metal singer for, from back in the day who's had a resurgence recently. And it's uh, all about his resurgence and, you know, his starting out as like a, a muscle man, like a like a, a bodybuilder who became like a metal singer. And if you guys have seen Rock and Roll Nightmare, you've seen John Michael, John Michael Thor before. He's, he's in that movie. I was going to say, is it the same one? Because that's immediately what I thought of when you said that name, and I 
I wanted to say that was who that was. Okay. Yes, him fighting a giant puppet at the end of that movie. <laughs> Terrible looking puppet. Uh, I bought Digstown immediately because it came on digital and I had to have it. So I watched Digstown. I love Digstown. Everybody's watched I that was, movie. I almost saw it recently. Yeah, it was only. I think That's it was right. Only... That was. Uh, didn't Bo make you watch that? Yep, and I enjoyed that. Bo no, Bo lets you watch that movie. He didn't make you watch anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is excellent. <laughs> it, it didn't. It, I, I kind of feel like he cheated a wee bit because he played a movie that had both both Bruce Dern and James Woods in it, which is slightly unfair. That movie shouldn't exist on that not on that merit alone. Those two guys shouldn't be in the same movie together. It you, makes it slightly unfair for competitive movie watching. So you had Randall Tex Cobb in that mix, man. You 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 got trouble, man. You know. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, this is gonna get controversial. I watched uh, Over Your Dead Body, which is the new Takashi Miike film. Oh yeah, which is um. I, I'm not gonna. I haven't watched it yet. I'm not gonna say I didn't like it because there's a lot of the cultural stuff in there, but it went over over my head. But uh. There's not as much gore as you would like in a Mike film. If you're mm-hmm. used to that kind of thing, this is more of a, you know, life imitating art because it's all about this play that's going on, this kind of mirroring events that's going on in this couple's life. And it's kind of surreal like that. So if you like like those dramatic type horror films, you might really like this film. It's just as far as the film film record goes, it just wasn't for me. I mean, I wa- I'd rather watch his other stuff than watch that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I should go down the list here. I watched Election, which could easily win the show we're doing now, but I didn't want the show to explode, so... <laughs> that, that's an excellent movie I love to watch, like, all the time, so... It, uh, I can recommend that. Uh, once again, Fred Savage um, took over my life again, because I, I bought Little Monsters on digital, so I watched that. And then I found out that Daniel Stern's really active on Facebook and stuff, so... I decided to let him narrate my life. I watched The Wonder Years on Netflix a lot. Because they come one after other, so you just you just keep on watching it and keep on watching it and keep on watching it. And if you if that was the time of your life where you watched the show a lot, you watched the show a lot. But um, one of my big gets, and they're probably going to go to the show we're going to do eventually. Not not so soon since the the Kiss Theory episode, but another one of those great Gene Simmons is the villain movie in Wanted Dead or Alive, starring the and today's his birthday, Rutger Hauer <laughs> as, uh, in that movie. Yep. <laughs> Playing uh, Steve McQueen's um, son in the, the titular role, Wanted Dare Alive, being the bounty hunter in the movie. And he, uh, Gene Simmons plays um, an Arab terrorist in the movie somehow, you know, and he dresses like a Hasidic Jew during a scene that's kind of hilarious. And I know he's Jewish and everything, but just see him dressed like that was kind of funny. Still not as funny as Never Too Young to Die, though. Um, Which is fantastic. Yeah, it in is. every aspect, from the opening gymnastic scene to Gene Simmons flying off the off the dam at the end. It's just awesome. And there there was other stuff. I get to watch a lot of stuff at work now. Oh, that was that was a good one. I, I forgot all about it. But the Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse is a lot of fun. And you guys should all watch that movie, because I, I thought it was hilarious and a great uh, new edition. I've seen it. Yay! I liked it. To the new horror, to the horror comedy uh, genre, so give it a watch, guys. Yeah, and the final girls as well. That's something else I watched. <laughs> I gotta stop this, but <laughs> I gotta stop watching movies uh, when I can't go to sleep, and I'll, I'll stop talking about them. But um, I'll, I'll leave that there. But uh, we'll move right into our next or our beefs oh, of the week. Real quick, I thought I just thought of two more things. Go ahead. Uh, one was another movie that I had never seen, in which it was just it was you had it was on Vudu, and so I was like, "Oh, I've never seen this. Let's watch it." Which was the Wrestler, and um, oh, did you cry? 
Uh, well, of course I did. You know me, God. I get, I get mad tears at the it's end. It's so know. it's so good. So, I really so don't good. like that movie. <laughs> I really don't like that movie. You Everyone don't? Oh, it's no. so sad. I, d- I don't like it. I think there there may be a cultural thing in there. I think your country has a lot more of that kind of idea of kind of local wrestling shows and things like that that weren't anywhere near where I lived. So. From that, I, I just can't. That I, I'm sorry. Stuff. N- now, now we do. Um, yeah. That's popped up. But not in, when you were growing up, you mean? No, British wrestling was mostly in England. It wasn't really in Scotland. Um, it's, I, I think right the acting's now. great. I think the script's great. It just doesn't connect with me at all. Yeah. Um, I have been accused of being kind of heartless, which is accurate. But um, yeah, it I just doesn't connect with me at all. It finishes, and I'm just like. Eh. But everyone else likes it, so. <laughs> also, you might like this one then, because uh, we also watched, because of Lemmy, uh, we watched Metal, A Headbanger's Journey. Yeah, it's excellent. Um, which is an And it always, <laughs> I always forget how teeny tiny Dio is, <laughs> or what, <laughs> um, until I'm like, God damn, that man was little. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was very, very, very small. He was almost, I think Tom Cruise may have been taller than him. That's how, that's so how small he is. tiny, but ferocious. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, anyway, so yeah, that's it. That's, that's what it. platform heels are for. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, preaching to the choir, hon. I'm I mean, talk. you can't be the man on the Silver Mountain if you're not going to wear some kick-ass platforms. Oh, my God. Yes, Mr. Angus Grimm. You wear platform uh, heels, too. You know, I would love that guy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'll move right into our beefs of the week. <laughs> I'll defer to our guest. Duncan, what's pissing you off, man? Oh, eh, so many things, Gary. No, I'm, I'm such a positive person. Um, I, 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 I try not let anything really annoy me um, or any movies annoy me. But is there anything annoying me? I don't know. We, we throw chum in the water on this show, man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Come, come back to me. I'll, I'll hear what everyone else is annoying. And it might inspire my annoyance. Okay, X, what's your what's your beef of the week, sir, if you have one? Oh, man, I was trying to think of if I have one or not. I really, well, you know, it's a new year, and it's new possibilities, and all of that happy, crappy bullshit. Um, uh, I'm, I'm falling apart physically, but beyond that, I'm cool. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Jamie? Well, now I kind of feel bad, because I'm... <laughs> Because I actually am pissed. Um, <laughs> um, okay. I was going along just fine. And then last night, I got wind of a new video game review that was done for Rise of the Tomb Raider, a game which I absolutely love, um, and followed on the heels of the Assassin's Creed review that Anita Sarkeesian did. And it just it pisses me off because in this review uh, in which this person has clearly never played the video game or nor has they has she played the video game that came previous to it it just it pisses me off because she just 
picks this medium that she knows nothing about and cares nothing about and has openly said she's not a fan of video games and then just continues to just pick on it and with points that she has no idea what she's talking about. And so when she does a review, which she has just really started to do on video games, it doesn't talk about the game at all. It's just, you know, oh, in this one, she's finally wearing appropriate clothes for the weather. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, but not once does it mention, you know, gameplay or how this game has been improved over the previous game or, you know, anything that gamers actually give a shit about. Um, so I don't think you can really call that a review. Um, Anyway, and then I was listening to this tirade that she made on choice uh, against uh, choice feminism, which, um, you know, to me, being a feminist, and I am a feminist, but I'm just not a crazy one. Um, to me, feminism means that uh, we do, we get to do with our lives what we choose to do with our lives. I think everyone should be able to do that, as long as you're not hurting someone else or stepping on anyone else's right to do the same. Um, that's just pretty much the way I think we should treat each other as human beings. But now, according to her, um, I'm doing it all wrong because I have a responsibility to all the other women out there to make sure that I live my life um, in accordance with how they believe feminism should be. And so um, because of that, I would like to politely tell her to kiss my ass and- <laughs> Yeah, I'm just, I'm pissed. I'm, I'm just so pissed. Uh, you, but that's do you it think she'll me. bring me a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> I could really use a sandwich right now. I mean, um, and, you know, X, I know you're a feminist. Um, I am. <laughs> deep um, down. Yeah, I, I, I know you, and Brian is too. Um, and this is the thing is that, that I think I've actually said this before. Maybe it was on the last episode. I don't remember, but I think I've said this before. But it's like it's these people who make feminism a bad word. And uh, I I don't know. I mean, do you have any thoughts on her approach to anything? Or do you even have her on your radar? I'm not a gamer. I have no idea. Well, I mean, she just pisses me off in general. (laughs) I mean... She has chosen video games as her platform. I really don't know why, because she can't think of anything else better to do, I guess. Um, but really, just in general, I mean, she just pisses me off in general. And she's also kind of a pussy in that she uh, she turns off all comments and um, likes or dislikes on her videos. And, she, you know, she refuses to get into a discussion with people. She just wants to stand on her pulpit and scream at them, but she doesn't. Um, and all right, to be fair, I don't guess she actually screams, but, uh, she just wants to stand on her soapbox and say her piece, but she doesn't allow anyone to, to get into a discussion with her. And, uh, according to her, it's like, oh, because I've gotten all the death threats. Ah, shut up. I mean, it's <laughs> shut up, you know, and it just, oh, it just irks me. Don't tell me how to be a woman. God damn it. I just, Fuck. <laughs> Uh, now this is gonna sound sexist, and it probably is. Don't no, it, it, it? It really is. <laughs> but when I saw the latest Super game, I was like, "Oh, where's those short shorts I've always come to know and love?" You know. Well, and and to be honest, I've been playing video games my entire life. Uh, and to be honest, I like being the hot chick in the video game. You know, it's like it does not bother me at all. When Lara Croft is running around in a wife beater and some. Oh, ooh, I guess that wasn't very. Politically correct, wasn't it? <laughs> well, Beating your wife isn't funny. 
Um, <laughs> but she wasn't, uh, I mean, when she's running around in a tank top and, and, you know, with short shorts on, I, I, this is how much of a shit I gave. None! Because hey, I was playing a video game. In the hood, we call those coochie cutters, is all I'm saying, you know? <laughs> and I just, I've never found it, and I guess I'm, I'm a bad woman, because I've never found it personally offensive when I'm playing a video game. You know, I just, you know, uh, did it make you? Did it make you angry that Princess Peach consistently needed rescuing by a man, sometimes two? No, I never put that much thought into it. To be honest, okay. I, I, no one I, should. I really didn't. I, it, and thank you. No one should. It's ridiculous. Um, there's also uh, this other woman who made her son write a oh, Jesus Christ. Her son is ten years old, and he wanted to play GTA Five. All right, bad idea. Um, <laughs> just on all accounts. But uh, she told him that before she would allow him, before she would even consider allowing him to play GTA Five, uh, that he would have to write a composition about how misogyny, <laughs> how misogyny is bad in video games, basically, and and what could be the outcome of misogyny in video games. And he did, and she posted it, and it's so clear that some of this was coached because it's bullshit. I mean, some of the stuff that he said was clearly childlike, but some of the stuff was just, I mean, ridiculous. I mean, one of the statements was, you know, imagine a world, no, I'm sorry, a dimension. Imagine a dimension in which, you know, misogyny worked the other way. Well, it fucking does. It's called misandry, and you're practicing it right now. Um, you it, know, after just, you kill all the hookers, there's no women to hate. <laughs> You save a lot of money that way. That's all I'm saying. And this is what I'm feeling. She's like, I'm a good parent. I don't. And then, of course, people started making comments about this. And she's like, I'm a good parent. I don't care what you nerds say. Um, because anyone who plays video games is a nerd. Um, and then I'm thinking, okay, take out women altogether. Just re remove women from this video game. It's still about stealing and killing and <laughs> and more stealing and more killing and, and foul language. Do you, I mean, should anyone let their 10 year old play this video game? No, it's not made for children. It's rated M for mature for adults who have the right to choose their form of entertainment. And you can't fucking tell me what I can do with my time because I'm an adult. But does that mean that I think children should play this video game? Hell no. I mean, and that is how you're being a bad parent woman. I've learned playing video games. I think that if you, if you, you aim low with the AK-47, you get a headshot that way. Um, if, you beat hook, if you beat hookers, money comes out, no, obviously. <laughs> no. Well, that was uh, well. that's like real life. You just take them and shake them upside down, and money comes out. There you go. Um, that was one of the things that the Sarkeesian uh, thing was talking about with Tomb Raider 2. It was just like, oh, it just... It, she doesn't feel sorry that Lara doesn't feel sorry enough for the people that she kills for the fact that she's killing people in this video game. Oh, like, really? <laughs> like, if, if, if history and memory tells me well, she's an aristocrat. They lack empathy and sympathy. Ah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it's like the middle class twit of the year awards. That old. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> that's, that's, that's what makes she America. should just be killing people and not caring. They're beneath her anyway. Exactly. So anyway, that's, <laughs> that's what's gotten under my skin of late. And it's just um, these women who just continue to piss me off because mainly it's because they 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 attempt to tell other women how to be women or tell other women how they should live their life, you know, responsibly. 
fuck you. See, and men don't do that. No. Men don't do that. Nobody even's like, are you Men burp? don't give a shit what other men do. Hey, are you belching? You scratching your balls? All right. Yeah. See, I love men. I, lo- I, I love men. We generally congratulate people for bad behavior. Yeah, and encourage it. Yeah. <laughs> Hence farting contests. Yep, exactly. there you go. I want to hang out with you guys. You are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Deep down, Zad, you want to grade the fart, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. There's I'm levels. Yeah, there's levels. If I can taste it, you win. <laughs> Oh, yeah, my beef is way more political. Uh, I got the displeasure of watching the film Chirac because uh, for, for somewhere in my, my gullet, I thought that Spike Lee was a filmmaker still. But this was a big old satire on the, the city that I love that has its problems with killings and whatnot. But guess what, you little miniature cocksucker? So does the fucking five boroughs. Go fucking make a film about them, okay? Plenty of fucking shootings over there, too. Not just in Chicago. We're, we're not the only problem sitting in, in the U.S. And then it goes for our president, too, who's shedding tears for Chicago because his boy, Rahm Emanuel, is our mayor. And he got elected on influence alone, and now there's problems in the city. And But guess what? The problems were there, too, when the dailies were the mayor. and But they had a lot more – well, how do I put this without saying they were the mob? They had a lot more influence than, than Rahm Emanuel had in the city of Chicago. That's why – it didn't show up so much. It's so for the mob. Yeah, yeah, deep down inside. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, and I, this really hurts my heart because Spike Lee is a filmmaker who's made films that I enjoy. I mean, Do the Right Thing is in my top ten of all time, I think. And that's a film I can throw on any any day of the given week. I can check turn on right now. I'm like, okay, signing off, guys. See you later. I gotta watch Do the Right Thing, but I wouldn't do it to you guys. But you know, and uh. And make films like that and films of the moment and to, of course, remake Old Boy, which is... Yeah, unforgivable. Well, people, I know people who, who enjoyed it. Not enjoyed it, but, you know, said it was tolerable. I'm never wrong. I'm never, I'm never <laughs> going to find that out. But, you know. I know people who've watched it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I watched it. I drank a lot to kill those brain cells that retained that memory. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't have many more beefs. So I, have a, I have an anecdote. I went to... Uh, Chipotle, who's having their own law, their own law trouble issues right now, and I had a weird experience because I haven't been at Chipotle in a while, and I don't know if this was why or some tempt of fate, but I really enjoy the burrito bowl at Chipotle, so I decided to go have one. And in front of me were were four women, and you know their 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 burkas and such, which is found me were a religious thing. And then one of them left the line to go stand about four feet adjacent from the register, which deep down in my stupid, most smartest American brain. Uh, thought that something bad was going to happen for a split second, so I got a little nervous in my tummy, you know? But then uh, nothing happened, of course. They had very specific orders for, you know, for their dietary needs or whatnot, and I, I was fine with that. And But then this happened, and this is the thing that scares me most of anything. Me and Eric Cartman got something in common, because dirty, white, new-age hippies scare us the most. And I see... <laughs> I see two we got people come in. I wish I would have took a picture, but I'm not that rude because plus Chipotle has really bright lights for, you know, it's hard to take a good picture. But one was in like a, a padded, like a, looked like a flannel shirt. But the, and the, what the girl was wearing like cart uh, pink sunglasses. Lately, I washed her hair in about three weeks, which is fine if you like that kind of thing. 
but then they were in like these these like look like somebody out of Aladdin. They were wearing like like silk Arabian pants. It just that 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 level of unwashed hippie is like it blew my mind. That was like the icing on the cake of my Chipotle experience. Like the Spin Doctors reunion. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm still trying to picture this, and <laughs> this is not clicking in my brain. <laughs> You know what's bad is when you were talking about the women wearing the the hijabs, I just immediately thought, wow, what if they really did rob Chipotle? What if they were just a gang of Muslim women that were robbing Chipotles across the country to feed their surfing addiction? (laughs) We could make the movie and call it Point Burka. Oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah, no. (laughs) Oh, and I I forgot to mention this one. (laughs) Don't think that'll play, Duncan? Well, I, I would argue it probably would be better than the remake that's coming out. <laughs> and I didn't find out what the hippies ordered, but I guarantee it was fucking vegan. I, I, I bet my left nut, I don't know which of my left nut is, but I guarantee they were vegan. And they tell everybody about it that they're vegan. Hanging out inside concert halls, passing out pamphlets, they tell them to go wipe their ass with it, you know. So I'm, I'm going to eat a veal cutlet right now in, in front of you, maybe. I don't know. I'll, I haven't decided yet, you know, but... I respect vegans when they throw it in my face, much like religious folks. You know, if you want to be Protestant, Catholic, Jewish, whatever, as long as you're not, you're not trying to sell it to me, you know, I'm fine with you. Same thing with vegans, but vegans are much, much worse because they let everybody know that they're vegan. Yeah, I don't ever want a vegan to be thrown in my face. <laughs> oh, but that's my beef pretty much. But um, yeah, how do you have a beef about vegans? That's completely well. They, they do they do sell beef products at Chipotle, so that was <laughs> so that 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 was I don't know one of those experiences more scary than the other ones inside Chipotle for that fifteen minutes. But you know, it was still an music anecdote that I had to share with uh my listening or our listening audience and our friends. That's but, <laughs> textured vegetable protein about vegans. <laughs> the beef stuff. <laughs> It has to be prepared correctly. I'll, I'll eat falafel all day long with the tongue what's in it, you know. Chickpeas are gross. Not really, though. I, I enjoy falafel. But, um, yeah, tonight we're, we're doing our Bumping Off the Competition episode, which is going to include uh, Severance, Curtains, and Drop Dead Gorgeous. And we're going to get into Curtains uh, right after this. Every curtain, someone is waiting. Someone is watching. Someone is hiding. What waits behind the curtains is exciting, frightening, sensual. Terrifying and bizarre. Curtains reveal what you expect and what you don't. Ultimate Nightmare. 
hey, Curtains, 1983, a Canadian film, um, which is neither good nor bad. That's just a statement. Hey. <laughs> but what's it about? <laughs> oh, hold on. I'm trying to find out what it's about, according to IMDb. Oh, oh sorry. Hey. <laughs> I think you guys are being horribly, horribly racist right now. This movie doesn't have a sequence where someone's ice skate. Oh wait, fuck it does. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. No. Racism. Racism is nothing new on this show. That's all. Some, I'm of, some of my best friends are Canadians, eh? Um, <laughs> all right, curtains got a five point eight rating. Somehow, uh, six young actresses auditioning for a movie role at a remote mansion are targeted by a mysterious masked murderer. The mask is really cool in this movie, too. It's this horrid old woman mask. Now, I don't don't hate this movie. I don't like this movie. I'm kind of really just mad towards this movie. Uh, The ice skating sequence is the one that everybody talks about, that everybody remembers, which is cool because it's complete nonsense. Doesn't make a lick of sense at all. The chick's out skating. She sees the doll. There's no reason for the doll to be there. And then she gets chased by the woman in the the whatever in the mask. And then I don't know, dude. <clears throat> the problem with well, the likely hold on to the doll. <laughs> right. Put the right. doll down. What do you care? <clears throat> Right, and when you're outside and you're being chased by somebody with a sickle, why rest against a tree? I, anyway, this, uh, there's a lot to this movie that, uh, like I said, just doesn't make a lick of sense. So they they put Samantha, Samantha Egger from the Bro- the Brood is an actress, and she's working with John Vernon, the director, <laughs> <laughs> and she's trying to prove that she, uh, the. They put her in an asylum so she can, like, I guess, learn from the crazy people how to be crazy. But the people in the asylum don't know she's just in there for research. And then all of a sudden, it's years later, and she's out, and everybody's auditioning for this Audra character. And this, I don't really know what happened in this movie, y'all. Oh, I'll give this movie one thing, though. That is one of the worst and best kicking my bitch to the curb things ever just leave her in the nut house to rot you know yeah i mean there's all it's like there's the twists at the beginning come really really fast but they're not twists that make a whole lot of sense at the time so that's weird mm-hmm. i think everybody in this movie looks like kim cattrall even john vernon <laughs> So I can't tell anyone apart. My God, (laughs) this is a world in which John Vernon gets laid a whole lot, and that's a that's a completely alternate universe. That is that is that's 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 why I did this movie. movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one thing about this movie I can't wrap my mind around. (laughs) I I, I forgot to mention. Welcome to the show, Philip O'Neill. How you doing, sir? Uh, I'm shitting all over this movie he wants to talk about, apparently. But, but I, Philip, tell us your thoughts on the curtain, sir. What, well, what do you think about it? Well, I saw this movie many, many years ago, and it was a crappy, crappy uh, VHS copy. I bought the Blu-ray of this film um, that was released by Synapse Films, which is a stunning Blu-ray. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and the Blu-ray came with a lot of good uh, special features, 
a greater insight into production of this movie, which was uh, a nightmare. I mean, this film got shelled and for over a year. And then the producer, whatever, I think came in and like reshot half the film or something and brought in new actors. It was just, it, it was a complete clusterfuck. And so what you're watching the movie is basically this mix of this, the original director's idea for the film, which was this sort of art house horror movie. And the producer's just like, no, I want to make a slasher movie. So that's why, <laughs> it, that's why the movie is nonsense. It's like the first half of this movie is like this sort of weird, like psychological horror movie, but then it just becomes a slasher film at the end. Uh, there is like no real like the the whole part with Samantha Edgar at the beginning is like from a completely different film, and then you get to the end of the film and it's like none of it really feels like it matches up. Although they try to connect everything, but it just yeah it it is it's a very random, strange film with mannequins and dolls and yeah people running around with old grandma ma- and Michael Wincott is in this movie for some reason. You notice that. <laughs> The guy with this voice talks like this. That guy. <laughs> the guy from The Crow. <laughs> and easily, I don't know why he's in this movie. He has, a sex, he has sex with somebody in a, uh, and then he just disappears. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I like, I'm sorry, I just want to throw one while you're talking about the mishmash that this movie is. Uh, during uh, the, there's a scene like in the basement with the mannequins and the dolls and this woman gets murdered, but all you hear are like squishy sounds and you're never quite sure how the hell did she die? And then you see her later hanging up and there's just like three drops of blood <laughs> on her blouse. just very strategically placed like a constellation. Yeah. yeah there's so many weird. Fake, there's so many fake outs at the beginning, at the first half of this film. It's like, Oh, she's crazy. No, she's not. And it's like, Oh, this guy is attacking this woman in the bed. Oh no, it's just her boyfriend. <laughs> there's so many fake outs and the curtains when the scenes are ending, these, these curtains appear. You get the sense like there's there's some kind of is this movie trying to be a comedy? You almost wonder there's some kind of comedic aura in this film. Like I don't know, it, it, it's like it's like they they, too, they it's like they were trying to turn this weird art house movie into some kind of slasher parody or something. I don't know. It's I mean it reminds me of that film. What was it called? Happy Birthday to Me. In fact, one of the actors in this movie is in that movie as well as well also that movie is canadian also um that was a comedy right happy birthday to me or whatever it was called sure yeah was, yeah so they, i mean no, like, it I don't wasn't know. intended to it, be i mean it was a slasher it's, but it's canadian okay let's just say that it's canadian. <laughs> i have that uh, on blue also <laughs> uh yeah john vernon i mean this movie was this movie was like it was made by john cross or something because john cross you know <laughs> after movie diner he loves john vernon <laughs> Uh, <laughs> to have the the scene where she finds John Vernon in bed smoking a cigarette is just the most he's naked and it's just the most <laughs> credible thing I've ever seen. I mean, it, it, this is just John Vernon g- getting laid. That is all he's doing, <laughs> playing this this really serious director. And everyone are trying to get the, all these women are trying to get are auditioning for this part of Audra, who apparently doesn't have a particular. I don't know. It's like no one. It's like how old is this character of Audra supposed to be? Because like Samantha Egger wants to play a part, and she's like what forty. Then you have all these other actors, and some of them are like twenty. So <laughs> what's going on there? Uh, yeah, the, the kills. I guess is what we're supposed to talk about. Also, it's like the kills. Well, I mean, only the ice skating scene comes to my mind, and it's uh, it's pretty surreal. It's kind of effective, I guess. Uh, but. 
Yeah, I don't know. This movie, it's... I don't know. <laughs> uh, I've seen this twice now. Three times, actually. And I, I'm still at loss of words when I see this movie. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, uh, oh. Dunks, what do you think, man? Um, I don't hate it. Um, I, I, see, last year I spent a lot of time watching really bad slasher movies for another show I was doing that came out about the same time and in comparison to those movies Curtains is actually competent so um, there's, there's, there's a couple of things I think this movie does really well um, the the shots inside the insane asylum at the beginning I, I generally have a phobia of, of like asylums and mental health and this idea of being trapped in somewhere where you are you are seen but no one believes you are sane um, is, is a particular thing. It's one of the, the very few things in horror that is almost guaranteed every single time to, to to get under my skin. And I think that works really well. I think that the I can kind of understand on some level it is not strange to to think that actors and actresses will go to great lengths to become a character. There's very famous stories of Robert De Niro driving taxis and, you know, other actors, you know, joining the police force or shadowing particular people or, you know, doing marine training or whatever to, to, to kind of identify with a character. So, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Um, I quite like the fact that our, our buddy here, our John Vernon, um, is kind of is kind of on board with everything until she finally does lose her shit, and he's like, ah, "Well, yeah, I'm just washing my hands of this. You can always get another actress." Um, I love the way she comes back. It's so TV television dramatic. She comes through the door with the you know those, the, the wide eyes, and all that's missing is someone getting a drink thrown in her face um, and being slapped really hard, really really hard in the face. Um, the the thing that lets this movie down is the fact that it, like Philip was saying, it it tries to play into slasher territory, in a big way, and especially the the second half of this movie, and it doesn't have the kills. Um, it has the mask. The mask is creepy. Jeff already touched on that. It really is quite creepy in that skating sequence. There is something quite terrifying about someone. <laughs> like run skating along the ice wearing a hag mask wielding a scythe that is that is pretty terrifying um, the payoff to that doesn't work the payoff should have happened on the ice and it should have it should have involved ice skates I mean there's it sets up so many potential really good kills and doesn't doesn't really follow through with them um, the the idea of the I mean, it's quite early on in this movie, you will get an idea of who you think the killer is, and then you will do instinctively what everyone does and say, that's too obvious. And mm. this movie kind of cops out on that because it kind of gives you the obvious, but then also kind of tries to then do like a, like a, mm. a, a, the old switcheroo at the end of the movie for someone else who, to be honest, was actually from the first moment, um, her character yeah. appeared in the was my was my second choice, um, and they give her her, and then the endings, the ending to this movie just feels like, well, we could do that, but why? Um, yeah, so I don't hate it. I think it, it is shot, it, it's surprisingly shot quite competently. There are some scenes that I think work really well. Um, I just think overall the movie does struggle with tone, and I didn't know about it being a a kind of mismatch of art house and slasher. Um, and that will explain why I think there's a, a marked shift in this movie 
towards making the movie. I, but to be honest with you, I, I think either way, would I want to watch a whole art house movie about you know this woman being put in an insane asylum? Get it? Probably not. And would I want to see just a cheesy slasher? Um, probably not either. So I don't think there's any win scenario for curtains. It's not a bad movie. It really isn't. For for the the de- for the decade and for the year 1983, there are a ton of slasher movies worse than curtains. But there just so happens to be a ton better. So it's middle of the road. It's meh, as Jeff said. Uh Jamie. I actually like this film quite a bit. Um, this was one that I don't think I had ever seen until Brian showed it to me. He has this Synapse Blu-ray, and uh, he was always talking about how when he watched it before, it was a really shitty VHS copy. Like, it always looked bad until mm. Synapse got a hold of it, and they always do an amazing job. And so I'm watching this film. It's really beautiful. I mean, the, the, the Blu-ray looks fantastic. Um but I was not familiar with it until that point. So now this makes the second time I've seen it. I actually liked it better this time than I did the first time. The first time I watched it, I remember being distinctly confused um, as to what they were going for. But this time when we watched it, we got into this conversation and he's like, does this feel like a slasher to you? And I'm like, no, not really. And, uh, I, and what I said was that it feels to me more like uh, apart from the fact that people are getting killed, the rest of the film feels like it wanted to be more. And he's, and then his response was, well, I think that he's like, it feels like to me that what they attempted to do was take this script that was supposed to be more of an arty film. And then because slashers were popular at the time, attempt to inject that into it. And it sounds like from what you were saying, Philip, that we pretty much got that right, that that is why it ended up, the way it did uh, uh, in a way Mm. Um, take out the whole, I didn't know anything about the, you know, the refilming parts and, and the different directors and, you know, that's a mess. I didn't, but now that you say that it explains a lot. Um, But still, I enjoy this film. I do enjoy the ice skating scene. Yes. I think quite a bit of it is a little bit surreal. It doesn't completely make a whole lot of sense. But I'm also a fan of Italian horror and Japanese horror, so um, I don't require my films to make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> you kind of can't if you um, you can't look for that uh, too often. Um, like I just got finished watching Audition, and um, there are parts of that movie that just make no sense at all. But I, I still enjoy it. You know, so by the time we got to the end this time, I was thinking, well. You know, I actually like that quite a bit. I like the little, the reveal that we get at the end, um, where, you know, you're on board with it being this crazy woman the whole time. We're like, yeah, I mean, she has finally, and then she basically admits it. She's like, ah, I just killed him. Um, so she just copped to the whole thing and you're like, yeah, I, I buy that. And then, you know, you get this little, uh, reveal that something else is going on. I, I think it's kind of fun. Like, um, I still say, yes, there are things that don't quite mesh, um, like the inserted stand-up comedy routine bits that we get about this one character, the the fact that we have this whole um, rape scenario with the boyfriend, with this other character, this creepy-faced doll that really makes no sense at all, and uh, it just sort of is in this one girl's apartment, then just is at this place, whatever, you know, um, 
the fact that if the killer wanted to kill this person who uh, is an ice skater, they would, one, have to know that they're an ice skater. Two, have to know that they planned to ice skate while they were there auditioning for this part at this mansion over this weekend when there really probably shouldn't have been a time or necessarily a place to do that. But they had to plan ahead for that. And I'm like, who just has an and three? They would have to know how to skate themselves and have ice skates. To which Brian replied, baby, they're Canadian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, uh, oh, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it doesn't completely mesh. It doesn't completely come together. But um, I still do quite enjoy it uh, quite a bit. And I'm a big Samantha Egger fan, too. So, uh, well, OK, not big, but I, I like her. <laughs> The Brood is, she, is a favorite of mine, so I've always... She, she also did a movie in the 60s called The Collector that I have not seen, but I heard it, it's supposed to be this kind of thriller, I guess, with Terrence Stamp as well, and oh, that one's supposed to be good. Seen. That was but like with, a big breakout, I think. Well, with her and Terrence Stamp, I will definitely check it out because yeah. uh, I don't think I've seen that but myself. I, I say, this movie, Curtains, reminds me of uh, Urban Legends Final Cut because <laughs> that movie is also about sort of a director or something trying to kill each other or something over a movie or something. So I, I thought about that movie. Um, and also that creepy doll, I kept thinking of James Wan for some reason. Uh, yeah, or Charles Band. Putting, it, putting in inappropriate <laughs> creepy dolls in movies. You know? No one would have this doll, you know. Yeah, no, it, it, that's exactly what, why would you have that? You know, No one would give that to uh, someone as a gift because, ew. Um, and, then they, and then the killer brings it along. <laughs> she was like, "Well, but I, oh, I really do like the mask here." And every scene in which we get to see someone wearing wearing the mask, and we get a close up of the eyes, it just astounds me how this slip on. I mean, it's just a slip on mask. Like, there's nothing. There's not um, like an extensive makeup process that goes into this anyway. At least uh, in the within the film. Um, but it just it is really well made. Like it fits well over the eyes and it, and it looks really creepy. And when it's that one scene, the ice skating scene, the infamous ice skating scene, when she's coming at you, like coming at the camera and doing this slow motion skate with her one hand behind her back. Um, I know it's like, it's like the fucked up Olympics. And then (laughs) (laughs) she pulls out, uh, she pulls out the scythe and, um, it's, it's, you know, that's a, an interesting weapon choice, too, I think, you know, that just sort of adds to the creepiness. Only a drunk Canadian can come up with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the only explanation for this. Uh, I like the actress who played who, in that scene, uh, in the ace skating scene. Um, she's she's very cute. Uh, <laughs> but very, I, mean, I don't know, she, she, she feels like she could have been the main character in some ways. I thought she was going to be the main character. Um, but then she gets killed off, and, and it's strange how we end up with that the, that one chick at the end who gets killed, and who's you know hiding uh, down there with the mannequins. And it's like maybe that's one, I think it's one of the problems. Like there's no real main character here, and that kind of bugged me, I guess. Yeah, uh, I think the main character is Audra, but she's not well defined. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, man, my thoughts on Curtains. It's a film that I I shunned because I I seen it to see what all the fuss was about, and I was that overly impressed. And from what Philip tells me, I I kind of understand why I wasn't overly impressed. Uh, But now I watch it, and I'm still not overly impressed, but 
I could recognize that if I was a heterosexual female, this is the this is the sexiest John Vernon's ever gonna be, people. <laughs> he's, he's, he's he's slim, he's got facial hair going on that ain't bad looking. His name is Striker. Striker. Striker, Striker, Striker. <laughs> Which kind of sounds like <laughs> Max Power from the when Homer changed his name from the Simpsons, you know? He he a strong name. How about Striker? That that, that sounds like something people would get people would understand, so and he's got that black leather jacket on. And... Yeah, this, this is the, the best John Vernon's ever going to look. So, you know, ladies. But, but he doesn't tell anybody to go fucking iceberg. That's very mm. disappointing. No, he doesn't tell anybody to go fucking iceberg. <laughs> oh, Savage streets. Yes. But uh, everything you guys say is right. I mean, this, this, this thing and the dolls on the poster. But the doll has nothing to do with the plot along. Nothing. There's no significance of this doll. For some reason, a girl, does she get grabbed by the doll as she gets run over? Or does her, her coat get stuck on this doll when she gets run over? The, this movie is so bizarre that even Dario Argento would be like, what is going on in this movie? You know, even he would be confused by this. <laughs> I mean, even 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 if she, she had to move out of the way of this car, what does this doll weigh? Uh, five pounds, maybe? Maybe ten pounds at the most? I think she'd easily dodge this car while well, the car probably run over anyway. But it's a but, nightmare. Yeah, yeah, that, that, well, I'll get to that. <laughs> what makes you say fuck curtains the most? Um, <laughs> Samantha Egger is an actress I recognize. You mentioned from The Brood. Or I should, I should save this for the, if we ever do The Brood on the show, which I'm sure we'll do. Uh, Nola's Magic Vagina, I'll call The Brood, you know? Uh, yeah, that's gross. But um, it, she, she was fair as the, 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 the elder, you know, actress of the group, you know, the one that was scorned by John Vernon, of course. But not really because she wanted to go into this asylum and he just kind of left her there. Like, OK, I'll I'll see you later. And now I got this over your head because they all think you're crazy. And if you start shit with me, I'm going to send you back. And, and no, nobody's coming after her at all. And, you know, cause she supposedly escaped from this asylum and somebody helped her escape this asylum. So if she's crazy. She says she, is, she says she is. Somebody would have come after her and probably went directly to his house to look for her. But, um. That's just me. Little, little plot holes. Ice skating scene was fun, like you guys mentioned. It's pretty suspenseful, except for the fact with that stupid fucking doll. Ooh, what's sticking out of the snow? Let's dig it up and find out. And you know, it's just this doll. And she's still carrying the doll as she's running, and then she stops. Maybe she's not going to come out oh. anymore. You know. Also, the most inappropriately stupid and gay agents I've ever <laughs> seen on film. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I don't know. The one, the one scene where the actress is like calling up, I want the part of Audra and this, her agent or whatever. He's like, I've seen this actor before and he's playing the most stereotypical gay. I don't know what this <laughs> character is supposed to be. He's like, well, listen, darling, you're probably going to get the part. It's like, what are you, <laughs> what are you supposed to be? It's just, I don't know. That was bizarre. So yeah, weird gay character. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not the killings, which, which, are... <laughs> Which there, there, there aren't many of them in this film anyway, but the, the sight is pretty intimidating. The mask is pretty intimidating. But the part with the mask where he makes um, Samantha Agra's character put it on, where did he find this mask? Was it like hidden in the tank of the shitter or something? And he, like, he found it as he's going to the bathroom? It's never really explained where, where he found this mask or he had this mask well, on hand. Well, well, was, well, they got, they got a whole bunch of stuff. Well, when they're running down in the basement below whatever, they got a whole bunch of stuff like mannequins and costumes. It's probably from probably – the mask probably was you know down there somewhere. The, the mask was a prop thing, you think? Yeah. 
But you, you don't, we we don't know though. But I'd imagine the mask was a prop, like you said, in all in the basement down there. Did that just defend curtains? I, yeah, for I think a second. Yeah. Think you did? Yes. I, I I think that whole scene it just seems so arbitrary and bizarre. Uh, because he's like, you know, oh, seduce me while you're ugly. What? And then, I mean, it just doesn't seem to really fit, and 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 it feels like they're trying to really go for something there. Only it doesn't. It almost feels like they're making it up as they go along. Do it with yeah, your it, it feels like it feels like Samantha Edgar and um, John Werner. Uh, it's not like they had their own script for this movie. It's like they, <laughs> they have nothing to do with the rest Never. of the film. Everybody else is secondary, indeed. Yes. Yeah, and it might have something to do with all the reshoots and you know the rewrites. Perhaps, perhaps. But it's like you know, are you guys? And you can you can picture the other actresses over there going, "Are they reading from? What is this? Is this on yours? I don't. I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I didn't gotta, get this part. You got all the foreshadowing stuff, like of course you get at the end where you know our, our my, my hero John Byrne in this movie he he gets uh something happens in the play happens to him in real life where he uh, he gets killed. I guess just like that Miki Miki movie where life imitates art that kind of deal. And and then the end of this movie, which is the same reason why I hate not so many, but there, there's a few horror films out there. Happy birthday to me is included. Uh, <laughs> probably because it's so it's so fucking long to have birthday to me. It's, it's, it's such a chore to watch, in my opinion. In April Fool's Day, where it's got that, it's got that, dude, it's got, it hurt my soul. It's got that ending where you know I sort of enjoyed my ride to the ending, and then I wanted to get immediately off the ride because the ending made me want to break my television. <laughs> and the ending I'm talking about is one of those things where it plays in this movie a couple times. Where guess what? It's all the dreams of a delusional person. And, you know, this thing, she's putting out her own production, you know, the, the funny one, the chucklehead, is putting out her own I, production of Audra in her demental house, you know. That actress was actually in Black Christmas. See, that's... Yeah. Duncan. That's a good... That's I, not, I have my finger on my toes. Gary doesn't like Black Christmas, so. I'm biting my tongue what? right now. <laughs> yeah, but listen, we're still all trying to get over the fact that Gary doesn't like Black Christmas. I don't know, and now I'm reeling from this n- other new information. I just don't. How do you not know that? This is like, see, earlier on before we were recording, we were saying that Gary like is generally tolerant of everything, but if he doesn't like a movie, he fucking hates it. Yeah, uh, I know. I mean, I know about Black Christmas, but I didn't know about April Fool's Day, and and I. I didn't know. At the risk of siding with here, not a big fan of April Fool's Day either. It's just too in the nose for me. Oh. Stop it. It's, it's too on the nose. It'd be like calling a movie... You're on the nose. Yeah, I'm on the nose, actually. How did you know? Uh, wow. It'd be like calling a movie Jamie's the Killer and Jamie comes out <laughs> at the end. You know what I mean? It's just it's just, it's too on the nose for me. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Well. I, I, I don't mind movies <laughs> like Halloween and, you know, it's set on Halloween or Friday the 13th and it's set on Friday the 13th. But when you call a movie April Fool's Day and the twist is... It's an April Fool. No, sorry. <laughs> Goodwill has been ruined here. Um, and it's not a bad movie either. I, I yeah, would probably put it in the same category. Until you get to the end. Yeah, and that's the frustrating part. See, I, I, I don't see. I see. I don't get. I, I think you. I think now that I'm thinking about it, your ending of curtains is that how everyone interprets the ending? Because that's not how I interpret the ending, and maybe that's why I'm kind of maybe not hating as much as Gary. I just. Uh, that's not how I interpreted it. Yeah, either. I, the, that's the I aftermath. Just, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's the aftermath after she got out of the asylum. It's what happens in curtains. 
the flashback is to the flashback. No, but they had the, those jackass curtains coming down. She had to assume <laughs> end of the scene. <laughs> and here's this, this bitch talking about this crazy chuckle talking about. The, oh, and then this happened. The clip we jump back to, though, of her in this insane asylum is the, the original clip we see of her doing the stand up comedy. We don't actually see her acting in the insane asylum as Audra or anything else playing out. So I just assume. Uh, maybe it's just my interpretation that she has been insane she has got out of the insane asylum she has auditioned for the the role and then she's done all the killing and she has done all this killing because she's crazy cue the flashback to her being in the insane asylum but she had the giant sign posted and i'm sitting on the chair talking about this is my production of audra you know i thought the insane asylum came after everything like you know she was a stand who she was a stand-up comedian who went to audition for this role, killed everyone, then got arrested and thrown in the asylum, and now she's sort of living out the role in her head in the asylum. After you know, I may have to give this movie more credit because a few of us watched it and we have three different ending theories. So, <laughs> so there you go. So, I think even the entire you... movie took place inside of an autistic child's snow globe. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> and you know. Somewhere the producer of this movie is just sitting around laughing. <laughs> Probably. Right? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll never let, let Jamie know my true feelings on the first Friday the 13th, but me, me and the Baz have the same opinions, basically, on that. So. Well, I heard as, that. As far heard as the uh, Baz, so I guess I know now. But as far as Canadian slashers goes, I love Prom Night. <laughs> I love Prom Night. I like, yeah, I love Prom Night. I'm good with Prom Night. Mm, yeah, Prom Night's a good movie. I even like Visit Hours. Visit Hours is a good movie. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> visiting Hours was it's one of the iron in it. That's it's right. got the iron sight in it and the shot. Visiting Hours was one that I brought up on when I was doing the slasher special on Devour the Podcast. Happy mm. Birthday to Me was one that I made people watch when we were doing that. And then mm. when we did Prom Night, I was the only one to... Well, Everything true. is all right. <laughs> I love that. That, 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 that sexy hand jive right there, see? And what? Oh, that sexy hand jive that, that oh, Jamie, Jamie Lee was yeah, Did doing. you think hand job as well? I did. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I take that from Jamie Lee. She's, she's still ain't bad looking, you know? And she's yeah, regularly, regular, she's regular. That's kind of sexy, too. I don't know how to explain those things, you know? But uh, no, I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> oh, my God. It be a new ad campaign. Being regular is sexy. Hey, why not? Uh, Philip, I'm going to leave it to you, my friend. What are your final thoughts and grade uh, 1 through 10 on Curtains? Um, well, Curtains... Uh, how do I explain it? Well, if you're looking for a slasher, a good slasher film, eh, it's not it. Um, <laughs> if you want a bizarre... Looking for something really strange to watch, some, well, yeah, check out Curtains, I guess. <laughs> um, it's pretty... It's it's bizarre, and I it's kind of... In, entertaining i guess in that way it's sort of entertaining in how bizarre it is and how nonsensical it is but don't expect uh, a cohesive and uh, film in which everything comes together at the end in some sort of you know well-told story um as far as grade well i don't know uh, five yeah okay um x um this is like a fan edit of a movie except the fan edit was actually the director <laughs> so that's kind of disconcerting and I give this a three. Fair enough. Ouch! 
That hurts my parts, man. Not really, though. Uh, Duncan. Um, uh, kind of echo what Philip said. It's not a great slasher movie, however, in a, in a year where a lot of slasher movies come out that follow identically the same setup and same execution and same ending. If you are working your way through um, the slashers of the very early 80s, Curtains will probably stick out because it doesn't really feel like it should be amongst those other ones and not necessarily in a bad way I'm going to come in same grade as Philip I don't hate it um, I think it's middle of the road to it's five it does some things that I think are quite interesting and just overall I don't think it necessarily works as a movie so five uh, Jamie okay I agree that it doesn't completely work and things don't really make any sense and and it's not all that good as far as slashes are concerned because well then this episode is over the kills <laughs> to, to the cars, Philip. You sounded like a nineteen thirty like TV of a TV, uh, like a newspaper reporter. It's like <laughs> and except I would go with he now. Um, uh, all right, I still like it though. Somehow, uh, I'm gonna say six. Okay, uh, me myself, I, I, I'm gonna give it two grades. Okay. Curtains, Curtains is not a crappy movie, but I, w- without the ending and my interpretation of the ending, I'll say it's definitely a middle of the road movie, middle of the road slasher, and, and I'm going to give it a five it, it, to be just on that. But with my interpretation, if they didn't have that ending on the movie, if they put something else there instead of that, anything else besides my interpretation of the ending of this movie, uh, with that ending, it's a three, and I'll give it a three just like X. Yeah, yeah. What happens if the ending of the movie was it was all an April Fool? Oh, that's that's still a three. That's still a three. <laughs> you said any other ending, Gary? Any other ending? That's it's pretty much the same ending, Duncan. <laughs> in in, in B, uh, BTW, I think the 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 motorcycle the motorbike space scrape was done better in Pet Cemetery too. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Because <laughs> Clancy Brown is immediately better than anything in that movie. You know, no, Clancy Brown is anything. <laughs> Um, oh, no, never. This is where we leave Philip because he, I, I, he asked did you be on this review, and I, I, I obliged him because Philip's a great guy. Philip, uh, tell the folks where they could find you, sir. Well, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my username is uh, Hollow Shape, and uh, you can find me on Facebook. Just type in Philip, and I guess there I am. <laughs> um, yeah, um, that's all I have to say. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on, sir. Well, thank you for bringing me on. Oh, for sure. But uh, with that, we'll we'll leave Philip and we'll go to on to our next segment. Review, review. Uh, will be next. Oh yeah, Duncan's. Uh, I think pick for this one. That he it's room to this. I think being a uh, drop dead gorgeous from 1999. After this.
much too strong. I'm headed to your change, change, In the small town of Mount Rose, Minnesota, a special competition takes place. I know what some of your big city no-bra-wearing, hairy-legged women livers might say. They might say that a pageant is old-fashioned and demeaning to the girls. No, I think you boys are going to find something a little bit different here in Mount Rose. Ouch! <laughs> but for two ambitious girls... I believe this pageant teaches you what's really important in life. I dream of getting out of Mount Rose. I mean, guys get out of Mount Rose all the time for... Hockey scholarships or prison. And two jealous mothers. My daughter is the most talented contestant that Mount Rose has ever had. It's not just about beauty. Go Muskies! Woo! I'd lay down 10 to 1 that it all comes down to Amber Atkins and Becky Lehman. It's about poise. If you could be any tree in the woods, what kind of tree would you be? <laughs> Green. <laughs> about tradition. You get your ass up there and show me some teeth. It's about winning and whatever it takes. Are we on cops, Harold? Are we on cops? Up, Hank. This is business. <laughs> it's on cops. Oh, oh my god! My cat costume's gone! Bring it on! From New Line Cinema. What kind of a moron paint step ladders right before a pageant? <laughs> Kirstie Alley, Ellen Barkin, Kirsten Dunst, Denise Richards. Look at that winner. I think she's had a boob job. Oh, come on. She's too young for a oh, boob job. They do that at birth now. What are you talking about? Our pageant is not a peep show. Drop Dead Gorgeous. Suck it in! Or so help me, I shoved my foot so far! Come on, shake your body, baby. Do that conga. Right, so, um, yeah. Gary, you uh, you posted on the Facebook a while ago that you had an idea for a show, and it had curtains in it. It had this movie, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Now the next movie we're going to discuss after this review, and I focused straight in on this one because Drop Dead Gorgeous from nineteen ninety nine, directed by Michael Patrick Jan, um, is a movie that I saw the year it came out, and I've seen so many things since. It's ridiculous. Um, I am a big fan of this movie. It holds, as X was uh, pointing out, um, IMDb ratings. It holds a 6.5 on IMDb. I think it should be higher than that, but we'll see what everyone else thinks. Um, and the synopsis, what is it with these one-line synopsis? Or synopsis? 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 Synopsis is actually correct. Synops- 
Synopsahogmanini? Yes. Synopsanini. The blurb on IMDb says, um, a, small, a small town beauty pageant turns deadly as it becomes clear that someone will go to any lengths to win. Um, yeah, I... I um, I love this movie. Ha- I happen to be the president of the <clears throat> Kirsty Alley Appreciation Society. Um, I have been president for six years. I'm very proud of that. Most people don't know that. Um, big old fan of Kirsty. No, I'm only joking. Um, this movie has in its cast a very young Kirsten Dunst before she went on to do... I, is she still acting? I don't, I've not seen her in a while, but she went on to great heights and obviously she... Um, she, we can all agree the pinnacle of her career is Bring It On. It's a fucking amazing movie. Um, but with that, uh, it has Ellen Barkin, Alison Janney, Denise Richards, the very sultry Denise Richards, Kirstie Alley, Sam McMurray, other folk, um, Brittany Murphy. Oh, I, but no, Brittany Murphy, though. I love Brittany Murphy. And she plays the most un Brittany Murphy role in this movie, which I love. She's got a bit of the lies on Manelli about her, but Amy Adams is also in this movie. Um, and it's kind of short, it's kind of full documentary, um, which which is quite interesting when I think of the time frame. 99 Blair Witch Project would be out by then, so I don't know if that maybe spurred this idea of, you know, do something a bit more kind of documentary style, handheld. Um, and it follows a group of filmmakers who have shown up at a small town during their uh, beauty pageant, which is going to lead into this national beauty pageant. And um, we instantly latch on to a couple of characters, Kirsten Dunst being our, our, our main character we're going to follow through, um, who lives in a trailer park, has these aspirations of becoming Diane Sawyer, um, and where she's going to go with that. And the organisation who are running it, um, who are led by uh, Kirsty Alley, who was a former runner-up in the pageant, and this year her daughter is going to compete in it, who's played by Denise Richards, and we're going to see if she is able to, to, to win it, and then characters start to die off in rather humorous ways. This, this movie is quite dark in places, um, but first and foremost is a comedy. I actually think it's really funny, and I think the humour stands up, um, whether it's the the borderline kind of paedophilic judge um, or the other judge who has the slightly slow child, who is just amazing. You should you by who? Um, which is fucking hilarious. Um, and it, at its heart, it's it's just like a really scuzzy miscongeniality. Um, minus the shit. I, I, I don't know why. And on paper, there's a lot of this movie I shouldn't like. And like I said at the start, when you're sitting down doing a show where you have two horror movies either side of this movie and I'm on it, the assumption would be that one of those horror movies brought me on to talk about it. Drop Dead Gorgeous to me is the movie I chose because I just don't think there's any comedies like this out there that do do as much kind of poking fun at the small town America in very stereotyped ways. I completely understand that. I've never been to any of these places, so I don't know how on the nose that actually is. Um, But I I think the humour's well-placed. I think the the idea of the documentary filmmakers getting involved in certain parts is is pretty cool because, you know, it's an interaction directly with you, the audience, who's watching through the camera. Um, It's ludicrous. It finishes ludicrous. It's... 
you know, it's a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun. Kirsty Alley is is doing her best um, to be Kirsty Alley, and she's pretty good at that. Uh, yeah, I love it. I, I think this movie is heavily underrated when people talk about kind of alternative comedies. I think this one's one of the better ones that came out in the nineties. Uh, to Jamie. Yes. Oh, I... you betcha, Iris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you betcha. Uh, yeah, I really like this movie, don't you know? Um, <laughs> this I always thought this movie was inspired by Wanda Holloway, um, which if uh, I don't know if being a foreigner, if you know, <laughs> oh, 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 just, just pick on the foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> you dang foreigners don't know nothing about us, do? Uh, in nineteen. 19- <laughs> In 1991, uh, Wanda Holloway attempted to hire a man to kill the mother of a girl who beat out her daughter in a cheerleading competition, like for a cheerleading spot. And the daughter, the wait a minute, the 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 girl who beat out her daughter's name was Amber. And uh, anyway, she attempted to hire this guy to kill the other girl's mother because she was pissed that her daughter didn't get this spot on the cheerleading team, and and. Uh, uh, the guy who she tried to hire is the one who actually turned her into the authority. So uh, <laughs> it was a failed attempt because uh, he was like, you're crazy. Uh, and there was like a movie uh, made about that. A um, couple of them, I think. Uh, like one of them was, a, I think one of them was a Lifetime movie. But anyway, that's what this reminds me of. And I always thought that this was, and I, I don't know for sure, but I always thought that this was inspired by that because that was like a really big story for a long time and people still refer to it here and there um just the extremes that people go to over something like cheerleading or in this case over something like a beauty pageant um so it's i've always looked at it with like a it has like a sort of a tongue-in-cheek kind of um uh, like a social commentary kind of thing uh which which i dig i also feel it reminds me of films like best in show um or waiting for Guffman, or um, you know, f- films where you get like a little slice of a small town and, and the quirkiness of people within that small town. Um, but particularly when you're dealing with a Midwestern town uh, like this, it's. Uh, I think these are really fun. They're kind of weird and out there, but uh, so are some of these little small towns out there. They're kind of weird and out there. Uh, I enjoy all the performances here. I think, uh, and uh, holy shit is Allison Janney tall. I never realized how tall she was <laughs> until I'm watching her in this movie. I'm like, oh my God, she's just towering over everyone. Um, Amy Adams is adorable. Uh, and it took me the longest time to, because I haven't seen this movie in, well, I think I saw it when it came out, and then I haven't seen it since. Um, and I didn't remember who she was. I was like, God, she's so familiar. Why do I know her? Why is she so familiar? And then... Um, I actually had to look it up and I was like, it's fucking Amy Adams. But I, I just didn't recognize her. Uh, but, um, Brittany Murphy did, was really fun and hell. Everyone was really fun. I'm not a Kirsten Dunst fan at all, but I like her in this film. Yeah. I'm the same. Um, I think this is the, this is probably the best performance she's ever had. Um, I just, yeah, I enjoy, and Kirstie Alley, I enjoy her in this. I, I, really get off on the quirkiness of this whole thing and how in the end it just, I feel so bad because (laughs) nothing turns out the way it was supposed to. And it just makes me so sad for her. 
But it's a fun movie. It's a really fun movie. And it also, I get a kick out of the fact that this was the one you mainly wanted to talk about. I uh, yeah, it's so weird, doesn't it? Like, honestly, it's... Like, see when people do, like, those things, like, oh, name a guilty pleasure. And I would never name this movie because I completely do not feel any shame or guilt for loving this movie. Um, yeah, they even reference Soylent Green in this movie. I mean, that's oh, how fucking... Oh, yes. That's how fucking quirky it is. That's the, that's the monologue she decides to do. It's from Soylent Green. Oh, fucking brilliant. Yeah. This I, is where Jeff funny. tells me he hates it. And he hates me for liking it. <laughs> Let's find out. What do you think, Jeff? Um, I think that I never expected the sequel to Fargo to go in this direction. <laughs> oh, you betcha. <laughs> and it was three years after Fargo, so that's that may have something to do with it. Um, I don't know. I like this movie. I don't. I don't think I like it as as much as you two do. But I don't hate it like I did Curtains for crying out loud. <clears throat> I think that um, I need to disagree with you respectfully, of course, Jamie. It doesn't remind me of the Christopher Guest movies. It reminds me more of, say, um, CB4 or Pootie, or shh, let me explain, or Pootie Tang. <laughs> in the all, way, you cannot you cannot disagree with me and be respectful about it. Those two things are. <laughs> so I'm sorry. All right. Well, then let's just let's just fight. Um, <laughs> I think there's there's a there's a broadness to Drop Dead Gorgeous that the Christopher Guest movies don't have. So there's a lot more interaction with the actual documentary crew. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying I don't I I Drop Dead Gorgeous is more to me of like an airplane or top secret movie with the broad kind of slapstick. So I, I can't put it in that rarefied kind of Christopher Guest category which is not to say i hate it there's a lot about this movie that's really really good i don't like kirsten dunstan in this movie though oh sweet jesus she irritates the living shit out of me well, that's how i feel about her everywhere else yeah <laughs> oh my. Not, a, not a big kirsten dunst fan well I'm, I'm not either but i'd rather i'd rather see her you know like in melancholia or some other yeah. von trier film than then this, where every time she talks, she sounds like somebody just goosed her. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Allison, Allison Janney's great. Amy Adams is great. Um, when she, The last ten minutes is one of the funniest, darkest things I've ever seen in a movie. And it's it's a great payoff. It just seems to me like it takes a long time to get there. This is really kind of a it, it, it's a it's a one joke movie, and that's fine. They don't belabor it as much as they probably could have, but to me, it just it, it feels a little long. But it's worth it to get to that just anarchy at the end <laughs> that I do so enjoy destruction of public property and and purging um two of my favorite hobbies um so yeah i liked it but i again i'm i didn't like it as much as as y'all did i do like kirstie alley by the way so um, this is not any kind of oh i don't like the chick from cheers and she, <laughs> you know, she was the worst savic i'm not saying that at all so. 
<laughs> so, so yeah, this 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 might be my favorite of the three. Also, oh, oh, yeah, as far as I go, this this and the thing about the Midwestern people in this movie, it's it's not a stereotype. If it's true because there's, there's people like this in the world, especially like these holy roller Bible thumper type towns. Which there's a lot of little stuff in this film that makes that makes this really funny to me. Like anything that Kirstie Alley says, like especially the thing about oh, we don't have those back rooms in our video stores. I mean, maybe in some other places like 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 St. Paul, Minnesota, stuff like that, you know. And like really, really nice. Like the, the, the part where uh, Kirstie Alley, and you wouldn't notice as you're really looking for it, where they're they're in the gym doing the interview, and the boys are, are wrestling, doing the wrestling practice. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a long shot where Kirstie Alley's just staring at that teenage boy's junk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then she looks at him, she's like, oh, hi, Tony. You know, I was like, it's so adorable, but so gross, you know, that she just looked at this teenage boy's junk. Uh, I thought all the, all the contestants had great personality. It's not like I'm judging the pageant or something, but, you know, <laughs> it's a big it's a big part of this movie. Like, these these teenage girls are likable, and, you know... The the one girl who's gonna sign an interpretive dance for her for her talent has oh. to ha, has to leave early because her cousin had a deaf baby and you know she's really excited about that and it, it's uh, the white girl who has the Asian family that's hilarious. Oh, to me. That is amazing. That that could have been played a bit more. I think that's the fact that their their other daughter, the Asian daughter, is clearly smart and they call her a retard because she doesn't speak English. Speak English. Oh god, it was hilarious! Oh god, uh, Amy Adams, who uh, I, lo- I love, like towards the end, right before the pageant, where they they think she's like, "Are you nervous about the pageant?" But she's nervous about something else because she thinks she's pregnant. But she's <laughs> she, she, she's she's two months late, and she doesn't want to tell her boyfriend. And, you know, all this reality spilling into this documentary, I guess that they're making. Um, I've always had a crush on Ellen Barkin for some reason, and she's like. Even with her the, her hand burnt up and She's hilarious uh, with that beer can fused to her hand, I I just I love her in this movie. She's lit to turn on the stone and kablooey. <laughs> you know that's something that would happen down here. That's a, that's some southern shit right there. She she jammed her tap. She was See, in darling, that just proves it's universal. I guess so. She jams the tap. She was in her panties. Go ask the guys to cut them off. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. There's like let's, let's, let's little parts of this, like like Sam McMurray, uh, Mr. Lehman's character in this movie. He's I love he, him. He's so yeah. he needs to work more. He's overly racist. Like he is raising Arizona, which I did, is the way I love him the most. You know. Yeah. And all that stuff made in Mexico. You know. And oh man, uh. So much, so much awesome stuff. I, I love Will Sasso in almost anything. Oh, he's yeah, he's he's funny in this. He's very funny in this. Especially when he plays Steven Seagal on Mad TV, which is <laughs> almost too much to bear. And if you haven't seen that Three Stooges film with him in it, he plays Curly to a T. So if I had to recommend anything to see, that the Stooges stuff is great, but the rest of the film is crap. <laughs> give Will Sasso a chance because he's an excellent Curly, and you you would love it. I think in uh. Um, he's an excellent curly. He is a great curly. In that <laughs> I movie. really like that. I really like that movie. Incidentally, I saw that in the theater. I thought it was hilarious. You've just you've killed Jeff. <laughs> Jeff combined us. Oh my god! Yeah, oh I, 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 Will Sasso playing off Michael McShane's character is. is <laughs> 
absolute <laughs> fucking joy is like a joy to see in this movie because it is just is it the two of them are horrendous and when you see the <laughs> the outcome of him dying and he leaves his door to Will Sasso and then the clip you see him as I'm running around wrapped in tinfoil it's fucking amazing <laughs> oh. they just want to get their mother a proper headstone <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, there, there's there's so much. I think it's the small stuff that makes me laugh. Not necessarily the plot, because I realize there is a plot and there is this whole mockumentary pageant thing. But just the, the characters you get, the personalities you get through every character. I mean, I, I love the dance teacher. She's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's it's any character in this film. It, it, they they have their their shining moment. I think that's a big big plot point of this film. It kind of reminds me, like, see when you see, like, there are some quirky comedies that that do it really well, and whether you like the movie or not, I happen to really like it, but, um, like, a movie like Napoleon Dynamite, where every character feels like a character, if you know what I mean, like, Mm -hmm. every person you meet in that movie feels like an eccentric version of someone that you know or you've seen that you heard of, this movie does, like, quite a bit of the same, even though it's it's stereotypes that I can't relate to, because... You know, had this movie been shot in Scotland, completely fucking different. Um, you wouldn't have a beauty pageant for a start, if you know what I mean. Uh, I'm gonna get shot off someone. Um, but the, the the all the characters, like even if you just meet them for two seconds in this movie, feel like like di- fully realised three dimensional characters. Um, and I think you I think you've hit the nail on the head as to why I've seen it so many times as well, Gary. I think. It's all the stuff that happens in the background. I never, la- I do laugh at the same bits every time in this movie. But the more times I've watched it, the more I find myself laughing at other bits that I hadn't noticed the previous time I watched it. Whether it maybe as a character looking a particular way before the camera looks at them, or something weird happening in the background. And this movie is full of it. Well, just little random things like the scene where Will Sasso gets his, he gets his, uh, over- trapped in the oh, car. His, his oh. overalls is uh, his. What the fuck do you call? Overalls. Overalls. Goodness. He's he gets his overalls hung in the car, and so he's got the one kid in a headlock, and he's licking his ice cream. He's, <laughs> and oh. it's so random. My favorite part is the part you don't see, where you see just the overalls. You got to see he's running around naked somewhere. <laughs> The, 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 the documentary filmmakers have the disclaimer that says that they can't interfere and he's oh, just going yeah, yeah, help yeah. Hank help Hank help yeah. Hank hello hello <laughs> <laughs> oh what are my favorite things about it? this is going to sound so American and so Republican and so, you know whatever I love the fact there's something called the Lutheran Sisterhood Gun Club in this movie <laughs> <laughs> this is like the biggest thing at their school that that Becky's very upset because Tammy beat her out to be the president of the Lutheran Sisterhood Gun Club. Mm-hmm. And there's that small part. And again, this film is filled with small parts where the mayor's bitching about them taking down the sign about the world's old, yeah. the oldest Lutheran. She died oh, so yeah. many years ago. I keep telling those damn Shriners to take down that sign. And they still won't, you know. Little shit, little Midwestern shit. So if you're from Midwestern, Midwestern town, like a small one, this is so Midwestern that it hurts. It hurts so bad because, you know, it's it's that kind of humor. That's but X not... is right in that it's also – there are parts of this that are also very Southern. Uh, and, I mean, and, that, and they're clearly Midwestern. But I think that what it shows is that you have these people everywhere. Um, because as I'm watching this, there are so many things that remind me of little towns back home. And uh, it's just – it's – clear that you know they put the they make it very midwestern here 
but you can take some of those same characters and supplant them, and and oh. uh, you'd have uh, you know a very southern southern feel. Oh, easily. Yeah. Oh, and another <laughs> another part another part I love is another interaction between Mandy Sterling and Kirstie Alley, where Kirstie Alley almost hits the preacher because they, they all of a sudden they just go to this little side that. Oh, he's he needs to stay away from the wine. That's why that should be we drink great Kool Aid, you know. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's like you're just so fucking holier than thou. It's hilarious, you know. Oh, yeah. When I was growing up in the Baptist church, we had uh, it was grape juice, <laughs> and, and so the first time I had actual wine at a communion, I almost peed my pants. I was like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> But, right, uh, <laughs> right. And weren't you like, oh, th- they've got the good shit. Thank exactly. God. Wow, man. Um, <laughs> I love that uh, that Denise Richards, who like, uh, you know, as you're going through this film, like, you kind of the it, there's like a part that uh, part of it's like, oh, she's the evil one. Like, she's doing all this shit to get people out of her way. And it's and there's a scene where. The guy that she is interested in, who is also happens to be interested in Kirsten Dunst, anyway, he goes on a hunting trip and then he ends up dead. Um, and she and they take it to her. The the documentary people mention it to her, and she's like, "Well, hunting's dangerous." Yeah. And then you're like, "Wow, she's evil." <laughs> now, did you, in- did you did you notice in the background the family sitting behind there? This is all little stuff, but they're pressing their own bullets. Did you notice this? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And then so you think, well, she's evil, you know, and then at the end when you realize, no, it wasn't her, and you're like, well, God, she's just a cold-hearted bitch. <laughs> it's, it's what that is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, this it's fun. And the more we talk about it now, the more I keep thinking of little parts here and there that I really, really enjoyed. Um, makes me want to watch it again. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. You betcha, Jamie. Um, <laughs> sorry, I can't honestly... After all day, I watched it yesterday, and all day at my work today, I've been calling for Kairos. All day. <laughs> no shame at all. No one got it. No one's seen it. Uh, I believe it, Dex. What are your final thoughts and uh, rating on Drop Dead Gorgeous, sir? Um, I I like it. I think it's funny. I should probably watch it a few more times, if I'm honest. Um, I do like how you can... how. Yeah, this movie just lets you know that hillbillies are everywhere, even if there are no hills. And <laughs> I will give this a six. Okay. Uh, Jamie. Uh, I really, I love these little caricature films and um, where you get little snippets of lives like this. And it, sadly, it, oh, it always reminds me of people in real life. <laughs> and so, um, which just, you know, makes it that much more funny. I get a big kick out of this. I feel like it speeds by. I really didn't think it felt like it was that long at all. It was kind of over before I knew it. And I guess that means that I was really into it. So I'm going to say this movie is an eight. Like, I like it a lot. Great. Duncan. Uh, yeah, I, um, I've never felt the movie drags at all, uh, but... I'm really enjoying it, so that's probably why it's not dragging. Um, I think it's quirky. I think the attention to detail in everything in this movie, regardless, of, even as and Jeff's spot on, a lot of it is the one joke. They 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 rely on this one, this kind of oh, it's a quirky Tim joke um, all the way right through it. But I 
I don't think it ever feels like it's being played repetitively or it overstays its welcome. I think the rewatch value of this movie is the fact that there is so much going on in the background that when you finally start noticing it, the, the movie just it, it becomes more enjoyable. Um, I, I'm so glad I've had the opportunity to talk about it on a show because I don't think any other show will talk about this. Uh, and I'm with Jamie on it 100% 8 from me. Um, as far as I go, I, I believe I reviewed uh, Best in Show with Dan um, a couple, like, probably ten shows ago, and I give that a ten because I think Best in Show is a perfect movie, and um, th- th- this movie is is has very little flaws in it as well, and it's that same kind of feeling like, like Jay mentioned that it feels like Best in Show, except the fact that you know, ha. yeah, I, I agree with you, Jamie. <laughs> Just kidding, X. I totally get what you're saying. I do. do. It's the same kind of feel, and I, I I think it's it's totally a nine because you think you look at movies that came out this year I graduated high school. A lot of films that came out then that did this type of movie, this type of like I wouldn't call it a teen comedy because this this can be very adult if you look at it that way. And um, they they very dated and they don't hold up as well as this movie does. So I'm I'm right there with a nine. And I forgot one of my favorite lines of the entire movie where um, Amber goes to visit the, the former winner, the anorexic girl in the hospital. And, of course, <laughs> Becky busts in to be Miss Humanitarian, and she gives her the chocolate, and she goes, I forget I forget the line that Amber tells her. It's like, she, she, she's anorexic, and she's bulimic, and, and she covers the, 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 the skinny girl's ears, and she goes, she's skinny, Amber, not deaf. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line of that movie. There's somebody Becky, get... she's anorexic. <laughs> she's skinny, like, not deaf. Who are you? Who are yeah, you? oh, that character's like it's 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 actually painful to laugh at because I imagine a lot of beauty queens end up like that, and it's yeah, it's just fuck it. It's so 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 like this movie at times can be so vicious, um, and I love it for that. She's well, never been there clearly. She's like, she's so cute when she does this. Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> I love. I that you know what? That's what the brashness of this film is. What I really love because it's refreshing to me to see a film be so non politically correct and just say whatever it wants to because it's fucking funny. Um, nowadays, when you. I don't know. It's it's almost like you have to cringe every time anybody says anything because you don't know what the reaction's going to be. And mm. um, I, I love that this film just bah, it's just out there. You know, there here are jokes about anorexia. Here are jokes about you know mental illness. Here are jokes about the <laughs> the town well, what, what, retard. What, 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 what about a uh, never judge a contest before? Uh, never been around young girls before. Uh, <laughs> he, shows up, he shows up later on, standing at the car, and he's like, you know, I'm just here like all my neighbours. And he's like, what? This like this camera? He's <laughs> like, this camera? He's like, uh, it's, for, it's for, you know, if I have an accident in my car. I mean, you've got a camera. No one's asking you. The tars, com- pants are completely off now. That's all I'm saying, you know. Oh, my God. Who let the retard paint step stools? <laughs> it's like a really, you know, as and someone mentioned, it was, it was X mentioned Fargo. It's like a really superficial Fargo. Like, you know, it's like a really superficial Coen brother movie. It kind of, it's got the quirkiness, but it doesn't have the, the depth of a Coen brothers movie or a Coen brothers comedy. But in some way that just makes it work. <laughs> 
for whatever reason, in the comedic environment anyway, just just all that better. Um, because it has all that quirkiness of what you would expect from a other kind of Cone Brothers esque comedy. So the, you know the attention to detail with the characters, the quirkiness of it. Um, they just don't. The story is very simplistic, and it works. It really, really works. Great movie. All right. Yeah, we uh, well, most of us love it all the way, but I will leave it at that, and uh, we'll move on to our next review, Severance from two thousand six. Right after this. <laughs> She's a little fool and 
what are company retreats all about? This is not a holiday. This is a business. I can't spell success without you. Building relationships. English birds ain't complicated. You buy them a Bacardi breezer and they'll wind you like sea biscuit. What did you do there? Working out issues. When your head's chopped off, your brain can think for like two to three minutes. Should I make some tea? Dangerous. Unexpected perks. I've been waiting for you, Richard. Really? Okay, everybody, prepare to smile. Survival. Someone in the woods. We need to get out of here. Severance. The company's making cutbacks. Uh, Severance from 2006. Another short plot synopsis from IMDb. It's a 6.6, by the way, on here. During a team-building retreat in the mountains, a group of sales representatives are hunted down one by one. Ah, uh, this has a... Well, Duncan, maybe you know this UK cast better than I do. Can you help me uh, out here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Toby Stevens. The, 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 probably the biggest name on this list, for all the wrong reasons, is Danny Dyer. Danny Dyer <laughs> is, somewhat, is, is somewhat of a celebrity over here for being... The character he plays in this movie is not far removed from what I believe he's actually like in real life. He's done a lot of reality TVs now and one of the long-running soaps. Um, but he does some movies, generally straight-to-DVD movies. Um, he's done a couple of horror movies and he's done this movie. The, the, the gold for me is the director, Christopher Smith, is... Like Christopher, Christopher Christopher Smith did four horror movies in kind of close-ish proximity, um, and all of them are actually surprisingly good considering they come from you know lottery-funded movies. So his 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 first one was Creep, that's the one set in the subway. He then did Severance. After that, he did a movie which is woefully underrated called Triangle, and um, he followed up the following year with Black Death. So this is his his comedy. Which I think is woefully underrated. And I thought recently, because we chatted about it, and I actually really liked it. So Thank you. Yay. There we go. Um, unfortunately, last year he did a, a, a PG Santa movie. Um, so I don't know. Was the, you've got to pay the bills, I suppose. Um, so, yeah. So, like, it, it kind of... Danny Dyer's probably... And he's the main character. Well, he's one of the main characters in here. So... Yeah, I, I get the feeling he's he is. There's there's there is a cast of people here that have been in other British things, but Danny Dyer is probably the biggest name. But maybe behind so Toby Stevens will be probably kind of close to him. Okay, it's a long way to give you the answer you wanted. Sorry, that's okay. Uh yeah, the movie basically starts off basically telling what you're going to get is this, this other group being hunted down, but hunted hunted down by this uh, unknown killer and being killed very gruesomely. Ending with a guy hanging from a um, one of those wooded traps where you you hit the you hit the rope and you fly in the air by one foot and he gets uh he gets dispatched properly and bloody and that's always great. 
And uh, it leads up to the, these these corporate schmucks on a bus <laughs> being driven by a foreigner. No offense by you guys, to you guys. But uh, <laughs> he's speaking a different language, of course. And, uh, of course, they're, they're really not compatible people. But so, so that, that may always makes these movies better. But you have different kinds of personalities uh, going here and there. And they find uh, they find their destination being this this cabin in the woods, and it's basically your 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 hack and slash, and, and well in this case burning because there's a flamethrower involved of them uh, being picked off one by one in uh, brutal ways. Um, I'll leave it to X on this one. What do you think, X? I think this movie is really really funny. Um, sorry, I think this movie is really funny. Um, kind of. In the same way as Drop Dead Gorgeous, because it takes all these corporate types that, you know, everybody fucking hates and turns <laughs> them upside down, sometimes literally, sometimes they get turned upside down by rope traps that pull them up into trees <laughs> and lets other people come along and gut them like pigs. So that's fun. Um, it's also very grimy and dirty. The whole thing looks like pond water which I appreciate for, you know, atmosphere's sake. Um, some of us a little bit too on point, I think. Um, I think it telegraphs at least one kill real bad, so it kind of <laughs> takes a, And you know which one I'm talking about, too, don't you? It takes away from the, the, the shock and the humor of that. But all in all, <clears throat> this is not bad at all. Um, I do like the scene where... <sighs> fucking the gung-ho president of the company whips out his missile launcher. <laughs> you mean the American? The, yes. Yeah, I was going to say, that dude is American, and I love that they have the American music playing in the background. Um, it's I, just... said gung, I said gung-ho. Why do we have to... Are, are, is no been, one else gung-ho? You've been targeting foreigners on this show, and I felt the need to defend ourselves. No, Gary has been targeting <laughs> foreigners on this show. I have been, I have been completely. Uh, my my global policy is complete. Um, but it, it does he shoots the missile, and instead it hits a, a fucking airline, and, which explodes, and that just is really funny. It's it's great because this this movie knows the different knows the difference between like really small jokes that kind of come back later and have a short payoff, and and how to make a really giant broad joke and have it happen within like five seconds so that you're not expecting it at all. That's great. There's a good balance of those kinds of humor. And it's also got some fantastic gore. Holy crap! I love it when the guy gets trapped in the floor and he's not going to get out, but still we should shoot him in the head with a shotgun just to be on the safe side. Love it. Love it. So I think there's, there's a good balance here. It's swings towards the serious side, I think as far as a horror comedy or at least towards the quiet side, but I still think it's worth, it's definitely worth checking out. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Sorry, Jamie. Yeah, I don't like it. Oh, balls. No, I, no. <laughs> I no, we spoke, I've heard Jamie say that she's liked this movie before. <laughs> oh, you caught me. I was, <laughs> was going to try to say I don't like these foreign films, but, you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to Duncan way too much. He knows me better than that. But the <laughs> uh, Christopher Smith, I love him. Um, I have not seen the Santa movie. I 
probably won't. It kind of hurts my feelings that he made it. I don't even understand it. Um, yeah. I don't understand why he did it. Um, I mean, I understand everyone needs to eat, but it just seems like such a left field thing to do when he has such a group of good films under his belt. Um, like, I really like Creep. Uh, I think there are things about it that I wasn't completely crazy about, but that was just, you know, that was early on. Uh, you know, I give him a little, I cut him a little bit of slack for that. I think it was still a really good film. Um, then this came out and just, uh, this movie just blows me away. I think it's, it's hilarious. It's, um, the, each of these characters is so perfect to me. Um, and I enjoy spending time with them, even when they're being assholes, they're fun to be around assholes, at least from a, a movie viewing perspective that has fantastic gore. Um, it's, it's just, it, it never slows down. It just goes from one thing to the next and which is what I really appreciate in a movie uh, like this, especially. Um, and then, like, he followed it up with Triangle, which is, it, God damn it, people need to talk about that movie more. It's so brilliant and really well done. And then I've already said that I think Black Death is woefully underrated. So, um, I mean, I think that movie has much more depth than people want to give it credit for. Um, and if you're one of those people, I urge you to go back and watch it again and and see try to see what I'm saying there. But so what I think we have here is a um, clearly a filmmaker who knows what he's doing. And with this film, I really it, it, it what amazes me most about this film is that it was so early in his career. I mean, this to me seems like it would come from someone much more seasoned, um, just the way that everything play so well and x i think you hit it on the head when you were talking about the payoffs you know like some of them are immediate some of them go go for the long haul um but they all come back around and everything pays off brilliantly and uh, there are several times when you think you know that something was just like a one-shot thing and you won't uh, necessarily see anything more about it and then yet here it comes back around again and it's, and then they're like the little things, like, you know, you get the moment where he's trying to jam the guy's severed leg into the refrigerator so that they can uh, take him to the hospital. And that's just a couple seconds, but it just cracks me up because uh, he's just like, nope, won't go that way. Flip it. Nope, won't go that way. And then he's just like jamming it in there. Um, and then like way later, he's like, oh, man, I forgot his leg. I left his leg in the fridge. Well, you know, what are you going to do with it here? There's nowhere to put it here. So it's kind of pointless anyway. Um, oh, and the scene where poor guy gets, you know, they're having a conversation facing away, like face, they're facing the camera and behind them, this poor legless guy is being dragged off, just being dragged across the camera, uh, completely out of their view. It's fantastic. It's just, you know, and he's having a really bad day. Like, I'm so bad for Gordon. Okay, that was his name, right? Wasn't it Gordon? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. I feel so bad for him because he just, he's that guy who, is really organized. He really wants things to work. He's all about, you know, when this is a work trip and he's all about it, like he's fired up and he's got, you know, these great ideas and he's a, he's a team player. And, you know, I, he's having a really shitty day and I feel really bad. For him. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is these characters are enjoyable. They're, you know, I actually care about these characters. I give a damn about them. And so when shitty things happen to them, it makes me sad. Um, yeah, I just think it's totally well-rounded. This is, uh, and if people out there have not seen this film, I mean, this film is 10 years old at this point. Um, get out there and see it. I don't really don't understand why there would be people who haven't seen it yet, but, um, 
I'm sure you've heard people talk about it. Go see it. And hopefully Christopher Smith will do something else in the near future. I know that he's attached to some movie, uh, some, what was it, a detour. Yeah, detour sounds like it's back in a more interesting genre. It sounds like it's quite dark. So Well, good. I, I would like to see him come back to this because I think he's really good at it. And like each of the four films that I mentioned before are all very different, but all very competently made. And so I think that he has shown that he has range as well. And I guess if the Santa movie is good, I guess he's got more, even more. <laughs> but I won't know about that one, probably. I mean, <laughs> who knows? I may eventually stumble into watching it. Gary will probably make me do it at some point. <laughs> nah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, this is this is just a really, really, really worthwhile film. I should have to Duncan. Uh, yeah, I, I remember this movie coming out. <clears throat> saw it in the cinema over here. I um, loved it then, still love it now. I think it, it does a lot of things right. It really does capture that idea of... I'm trying to think, the office, the UK office probably would have been out by now. So um, it kind of captures this idea of the sort of personalities that you are likely to work with in an office environment. And I've, most of my life has been office jobs, and I can identify with quite a few characters in here. What I love about this movie is very similar to what we were talking about in the previous movie, is the attention to detail and things in the background. Um, there are several sequences where you can see the men wearing their masks and all the rest hidden in trees in plain sight at the camera, which you don't pick up on the first watch. And it's only when you start watching it later on, because sometimes the camera plays it deliberately for that oh, there's someone there. But uh, there's so many times that they're in the background that you just don't pick up on. The, the point is, <clears throat> from the very start of this mov uh, movie, when they arrive uh, to go on their company out and these people are there, well, what's funny about it is that they go, they think they're going to this luxury place because they, they work for an arms company um, who have supplied weapons, they don't know that, have supplied weapons to some sort of conflict that's shot somewhere in Eastern Europe. Um and basically the rebels um, are not only are they still alive, but they've all went a bit crazy. And they're cannibals as well, which is a, this throwaway detail in this movie revolving someone finding a pie um, that they're all sitting to eat until one of them finds a human tooth in it. And I love how it's just, that is just, like, that's just something that happens in the movie. And we don't focus on it and no one mentions cannibalism after it. But they're cannibals um, the, the deaths in this are vicious and at times very dark which does really kind of drag you back into oh yeah this is still at the same time it's a horror movie so we have the comedy of a guy's leg being trapped in a you know the, the bear trap there's a woman tied to a post who's doused with fuel who thinks that she's going to die by having like a match struck and flung at her. And the matches don't work as she thinks they don't work. And there's a sign of kind of partial relief on her face until she realises, no, he has actually got a lit to light his flamethrower. And they don't show you her death. And I think that's that's one of those like moments when it hits for the horror. Um they don't need to show you that death because now you're thinking about it. And I think that I think that's really well done. Um some of the humor's great in this movie and X is right. Like when when there's a character trapped 
in floorboards and you get that headshot just because, well, fuck them. And I love the fact that her character at that point, that innocent guy, that Gordon guy, who is the most innocent guy in this movie, has all the horrible things done to him. And eventually, as his stomach all cut up into pieces and she just walks straight into and the other guy who she's with kind of basically sacrifices himself to save her. And she just walks in and just grabs that machete and you're like, oh, well, business is picking up. Um, and it does it right to the end, the quirky American corporate leader who's in the correct place <laughs> with the hookers, um, who comes out with this ridiculous bazooka, <laughs> which is going to be the, the eternal equaliser, the the clueless boss who stands on a landmine uh, and thinks he's going to do something noble to try and take them out, but waits too late to really have an impact. Um because he tries to do the right thing, but he's a bit too cowardly and takes too long, so he's even useless in death, which I think is kind of poignant and sad at the same time. It works on a lot of levels, and at no point do I feel the movie's muddled. I do agree with X. There's a couple of jokes, or a couple of things that happen in this movie that are a wee bit too much on the nose, um, but the fact that he made everything else work in this movie is is something you know, I'm totally happy to forgive him for. I think he's actually a really interesting filmmaker. When we were getting sort of horror comedies were prevalent. It was like within about a year of this movie coming out, we had The Cottage, which is a fantastic horror comedy from the UK. And if you've never seen that, watch Severance and then The Cottage right after it. It's, it's better shot, it's far glossier, it's more vicious and has a League of Gentlemen sense of humour, if you ever watched The League of Gentlemen. Um, even has Reese Shearsmith from The League of Gentlemen in it. Uh, it's, and Andy Serkis <laughs> is in it as well. So um, it's a fantastic fucking movie as well. And the two movies play really well off each other and the fact that it came out in this really weird couple of years where... For some reason, the UK decided we were going to just do horror comedies. Um, and that's kind of gone. You don't get, I think, the last like, really good horror comedy was probably Sightseers. And that was done by Ben Wheatley, who's a guy who deliberately makes weird movies. So, yeah, I think Severance is is one that needs to be up near the top of your list. If you, if you like horror comedies, if you like mean horror comedies, and just something that you don't get a lot of in, in other movies, um, Severance gives you a lot of of stuff that you don't see enough and you will be questioning yourself at the end of it as to why there aren't more movies that really try and do what Severance does, because it works. Yeah, as far as I go over Severance, it's a, I mentioned from the beginning that the tone that it sets right away, and I think it's really great that that tone is is fluid throughout the rest of the film, too, with some great kills, some really mean-spirited kills, too. You mentioned the 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 um let the woman on fire kill who's the nicest meekest woman of the whole film but this poor woman is tied to a tree by her face and got a gag in her mouth and just throwing gasoline at it and she thinks oh if matches won't work everything is all as well like well nope this is like ten times worse you know and it's just he breaks out that 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 uh that flamethrower you have to assume what happens next is she gets torched to to beyond beyond repair basically. Uh, the leg gag is probably my favorite favorite gag in the whole film because nobody's thinking about giving that guy a tourniquet. He's just dragging this big guy around. He's, he's bleeding all over the place and probably dying as they're carrying him around. And nobody thinks about tying that off is what I'm saying. And that that, that makes me makes it hilarious. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that these these commandos, these rebels just in, in the area for no reason. I love films like this. Feels like Troma's War, where you have in, in Troma's War you have three warring factions on one island, 
that these people haven't crashed their plane on it in chaos and lots of dead bodies ensue in Troma's War. It's a great movie, but it's that same kind of feeling where these, they have all this weaponry and these rebels are here and they're here to, to kill you in terrible freaking ways. And uh, one thing I didn't like about the film, there's a part of the, the, the end of the film where one of the survivors finds two Nate nude girls in a pit. Yeah, <laughs> which is the clip from the beginning that you were talking about. The, the yeah. beginning of this movie is basically what happens to the American, because you never see... Which I quite like about the movie as well, is that that American, the gung-ho American, with the we, he runs off and you never see him die later on in the movie. You've seen his death at the start of the movie. Um, which, But Danny Dyer, he's a bit of a... Maybe he's, he plays a bit of a lad, a bit of a woman's man, so that kind of makes sense to me in the movie that he would come across... The woman, that's like, like his humor. It's like, who naked chicks? And, you know, he, he, of course, he helps them out of there. And, of course, they, they come in just in the nick of time when the when the final girl is um get, get, about to get waxed by these rebels. And they have machine guns, and they're wearing almost next to nothing because they were naked. <laughs> and they're just killing people like, you know, Americans love half-naked women shooting things. And, you know... um. That, that, that was spectacular. But one thing I didn't like was almost like I wish it, it, it had a fuck you ending where mm-hmm. the girls were actually rebels. But they were like bait like in Fury Road. But the, the woman just hanging on top of the, the tower there. Help me. Save me. I'm all nude up here, you know, and I wish these girls were nude. But they were actually like bait for whoever was going to come next. That kind of deal. And it had a great it had a great like fuck you ending. And, you know, that that's just me. Though. I'm sadistic like that, you know. Bobbing with a nude girl, and she's gonna slit. She's gonna slit your throat. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be a good way to go, I guess. You know, the ones with love making involved. But you know, that that's just me talking crazy again. But um, <laughs> but uh, Severance was was good all around, and it, it's hard for me to explain. You know, without you know, watch this movie. Even the even the front cover is fun. That's what drew me to this film. Was uh, not not the VHS obviously, but the DVD cover art, which just a uh, uh, a guy standing there in a suit with a severed with his head cut off, like checking the, the checking his watch or whatever in one hand and then having a, a blade in the other hand, I think it is. Mm-hmm. That, that that was a pretty neat, uh, that, that that's a good selling point for a film like this. Like this, this is going to be fun and maybe you should watch this movie. And, um, I, I don't have anything else to say about this film. I'm going to push it to X with your final thoughts and ratings on severance. Definitely worth watching. I've seen a lot of horror comedies that did it, um, you know, worse, there's at least some intelligence and and depth here, even if they're you know although there's some American bashing that I'm not sure I appreciate as an American guy. <laughs> <laughs> I give it a I give it a, I give it a seven. I really I really like it. Fair enough, uh, Duncan. Um, yeah, this this movie. It, it, it gets me. Uh, I find it very, very funny. I think the effects are great. Like I say, a, cu- a couple of things that I think land maybe a bit too on the nose, but I forgive it that because it juggles so much else and it actually works. Um, I, I come in with the same grade that I came in for Drop Dead Gorgeous. It's an eight from me. Great. Uh, Jamie? This, uh, well, I, I'm like I said, I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm going to say 8.5. Like okay. I, I think he went for it with this movie, and I think he got it. Very, very fine. Uh, me myself, uh, good fun, good um, British comedy slash horror film. Uh, yeah, it's an eight. It's it's just, it's a it's a high recommend from all of us. So check that out. Ten from me. 
And Philip's there. He's a 10 from Philip. Yes, indeed. Oh, my God. Um, and with that, uh, we'll leave you guys, and we'll come back. We'll close out the show. An Evil Dead TV show? No way. Negan is coming to The Walking Dead. That's awesome. Don't you guys think a werewolf series is long overdue? Oh, hello there. Are you looking for coverage of horror on the small screen that you can't find on any other podcast? Then welcome to Evil Episodes Podcast, where we take an in-depth look at horror around the dial, covering everything from today's hits like The Walking Dead, American Horror Story, and The Strain. As well as looking back into the TV horror vault to discuss anthologies like Tales from the Crypt, Monsters, Masters of Horror. Yeah, but do any of those shows have werewolves in them? What movies will become a TV series next? Just how many more seasons will every CW show get? Where would they put some damn werewolves on TV? Tune in to Evil Episodes Podcast for all your horror on television needs and more. I need werewolves. Hey, did I mention how Lovecraftian all this actually is? Hello? Hello. Who is this? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Oh, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn? You're making popcorn. Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn when I listen to podcasts. I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav. Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of the strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes, they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Do you have a boyfriend? Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under the Stairs, signing off. Black Anis Horror Podcast. The podcast that will change your life forever. Repetition of the... Repetition. Is that a word? That is now a word. Intense. Zero whatevers. So insightful that you will question your place in the universe. You just said you wanted to see somebody stab a fish. Mind-blowing. That is not what... That's not... No. Inspiring. It's one of two things all the way through. Either predictable or stupid. Life-changing. This is going to be filled with spoilers. Black Anna's Horror Podcast. 
exclusively available on the Legion Podcast Network. It's almost like a little advertisement. Yeah, the advert makes it sound so promising. Gimme, gimme, gimme! Ah, Chinema. Porkies? Meatballs, too? Enjoy your crap fest. <laughs> oh, go read the bell jar, you poser! Klaus, prepare to feast your eyes on the majestic grandeur of the silver screen. For 30 years, a sinister secret lay hidden behind these walls. I don't want to have to remind you a second time. But there is something mysterious about this place that draws him closer to the truth. I'm going down that hallway. I'm going in for a closer look. Stop whatever you're doing! Don't go near the vault! And tonight, that secret is going to come out. The Hobgoblins are back. We're too late. And they're looking to party. Come on, I recognize it anywhere. Stop breathing all over me. She must be happy to see him. No one is safe from these cagey critters. Creatures have a power. They can tap into your brain, sense the things that you really want to do. What's wrong with that? They also try to kill you. But first, they will grant your heart's desire. Do you kiss on the first date? I go all the way on the first date. My kind of woman. Then they will uncover your most secret fantasies. Amy would never come to a place like this. Clapscum is proud to present Miss Amy Timmy. Oh my god. And when your wildest dream is about to come true... Get off the stage! These gruesome gremlins turn it into a nightmare. What's going on here? Just a problem involving some small predators, sir. We need to stage a diversion. And I have just what you need. Because get everything you want. And be hazardous to your War isn't pretty. party. In a rowdy crowd tonight. Till you drop. There is a passageway to the most evil place you can imagine. A gate behind which the demons wait to take back what was once theirs. And now, someone has opened the gate. This is weird, tearing sound. There is the decomposed corpse of her dead father. Oh no! He's tearing out here by the hands. I'm calling the police. You got demons.
not too late. I want you for breakfast. The munchies are here. And they want you for lunch. No one kills more tropical fish and live. And they want you for dinner. Nothing human can be this hungry. Munchies rated PG. Uh, thank you, Duncan, for coming on the show. Uh, as of right now, you can peddle your wares and tell us what you got coming up, sir. Uh, yeah. Um, well, no. First and foremost, thank you very much for inviting me back. I had a blast, and I'm just putting this out here. If if you ever do decide that you want to talk about um, the cottage, I'd come back to chat about that, Gary. I'm just putting it out there. The cottage. Gotcha. Do the- I will support that. I like that film. That's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> oh, there we go. That's practically... We don't need to do it now because everyone knows we'll love it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Shoot down my idea in the most mean way um, by loving the movie that I love. How dare you? Um, yeah, so thank you very much for inviting me back on. It's been a blast. Uh, it's been great chatting to, to podcasters that are that I don't often get to chat to, I think. Uh, ironically, I used to chat more to Jamie than anyone else, but recently X has been on my show loads. So, um, yeah. X has, and we will rectify that in 2016, Jamie. We're going to rectify that. Um, yeah, I do. <laughs> Whatever, I'm in. Um, I, I do I, I do a little show called The Podcast Under the Stairs it's on the Legion Podcast Network you can also check it through iTunes and Stitcher and all those wonderful places we have a website tputzcast.com um, or a Facebook group facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast uh, I am on other shows too many to mention there is a brand new one coming at the end of this month um I don't know if it's going to be a legion yet. I, I haven't actually even broached it with anyone in terms of where it will finally land. It's called Chronicle. It's my first ever solo, solo show, as in no guests or anything. And it is exclusively European horror. Um, each episode will be about 30 minutes long, and it's going to look at not only the movies, but the stories behind the movies. Season one lands, be six episodes, lands at the beginning the beginning of February, end of January time, and season one is uh, dedicated to vampire films in Europe, kicking off with a very obvious choice, but one that has the most intriguing story of all, Nosferatu. So, um, yeah, so that'll be coming up real soon. Uh, I'll be pimped everywhere. People will be talking about it, either in a good way or a bad way. <laughs> I don't know yet. Uh, but yeah, but like I say, thank you very much for having me on Cinema Beef. It feels great to be back, even though it's been... What two years? It feels great to be back. This is great to have you. That, that's that's totally an accident. But this is, and I'm gonna throw more one more dagger at the foreigner here. Oh, and, for and, and, and your, <laughs> your wife liked this story. I'm just gonna throw it out there that Justin Bieber has broken the UK singles chart record. You know. Oh, oh yeah, we're big believers in this house. You have a serious talk with your wife. That's all I'm saying. You know. <laughs> yeah, big believers. All about the Biebs. Wait for seven, getting a tattoo of him on my chest tomorrow. Oh yeah, there you go. There we go. Your fat'll stretch out, man. It's <laughs> get on your belly. Just that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Massive beaver. <laughs> um. uh, X. 
Um, as always, you can catch me on, on this show. You can catch me on Kiss the Goat, um, which is back in production now. We're ramping up and ready to keep making um, funny podcasts. So, <laughs> funny uh, podcast for the children. Yes, that's indeed. right. People, people rub the funnies. Um, you can... <laughs> You can. <laughs> for some reason, for some reason, for some reason, I thought that maybe you did. I don't know. Maybe it's just because we've been bashing foreigners. Did you just do like a really bad Asian accent there? <laughs> I, it sounded I, like you had you know, already robbed the funnies. <laughs> I, no, that wasn't my intent. If I... just think, think, think of the farmer from the Fox and the Hound. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. it was more of just kind of a toothless. I don't even know. Toothless Asian man. That's right. Spawn. I've got your eggs. No, it's okay. If if I was going to try to do something racially offensive, I would go ahead and do my white guy impression. <laughs> You can find me on my I write for Pop Shifter and I'm a managing editor. And I also write for dirgemagazine.com. That just started. That's a really good job. I really like that job. Um that's my white guy impersonation. And I'm on the um we've changed the name. It's it used to be the not so evil episodes sidecast, and now Mike's changed the name to Theme Warriors. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> clever. Oh no, he didn't. Uh, yeah he did he did so the new season of theme warriors will be kicking up here at the end of january theme warriors yep exactly that (laughs) don't want to theme no more (laughs) tell mary i'm gonna send him a cookie for that dead title man you know (laughs) so yeah that's the kind of that's that's the kind of stuff i do um how about you jamie you're next He's so excited too. I know. He's just full of the energies. You can find me here, obviously. Uh, occasionally, you can find me on Devour the Podcast. I don't know what's going on with that show these days, but we <laughs> reportedly will be back. Um, but uh, I have two things that are one that has already started, and we're about to put out the second episode, and that is Dark Regions Radio. And in the second, and if you haven't heard the first one, we interviewed Joe R. Lansdale, and I did a reading of one of his stories, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, in the second one, we talked to author John Langan, and I'll do um, one. Actually, I'm doing two of his stories, but they're like micro shorts. They're very, very short. But um, again, that was a that was a fun discussion we had with him. And then the new thing is uh, Dave Z and Brian and I have a show that we're starting called The ABCs of Hidden Horse, so, which I mentioned in the beginning. So uh, look for that to come out. First episode should be coming out, uh, well, and it should be right around the corner. So um, there's that. That's what I'm doing these days. Is that on the Horrorphilia Network? It is. It is. Yes, both of those are, actually. Gotcha. Uh, me, myself, has this going on. And uh, Duncan, I, I didn't get to mention this to you before, but you know, you, your show doing the nasty, which is uh, it's just sadly over because you guys covered them all. Yeah, I really, yeah. I really want to commend you for scraping the bottom of the barrel for that name. Like, I feel like I'm rolling out to you. We just stole, but we just stole it from the song, the, the theme song. That's okay though. I, I like to imagine the other way. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's totally. That's that, that, totally that's what your, I meant by it. That your mind's in the gutter, and I I help push it that way a little bit with the yeah. 
your sloppy seconds. Who called the show sloppy seconds? Yeah. Which is kind of precedent for all dirty name shows. The innuendo. Which has been a new episode has been recorded of that of sloppy seconds with with my new co-host Corey Graham. I had to put that together and get it out to Jason to to release, of course. But you can all listen to us talk about bad movies. I know, well, the good movies and bad movies on two drink minimum commentaries. Uh, all those things you could rate and review on iTunes. And if you guys go and do that, you guys could win some cool stuff that I have uh, acquired from conventions that I have extras of, actually, including uh, Danny Trejo autograph, uh, Jeffrey Combs autograph, uh, well, Charles Band signed a poster for us, a Puppet Master poster. Uh, I got a, I got a couple more two goodies for you, including a couple I'm not going to announce till uh, one of the people that signed two of the things is going to help me announce that. So that's going to be a pretty tasty thing when that happens. And she's much more attractive than myself, so I think you guys will enjoy her telling you to vote for vote for us or review us on iTunes. Maybe you guys will run to go do that if she tells you to. And uh, yeah. Find me on Twitter at GW. Come join the Cinebee Facebook group. Uh, drop some stuff there, some feedback. I don't get much feedback from you guys, and I'm not complaining, but I like to hear if we, you know, we suck or whatever. Do you like to do the Loon lineup? And I would really like to hear about that. And, um, and always go to legionpodcast.com to hit the donate button. Uh, we're trying to get ourselves more exposed, not me losing my pants exposed, but more exposed to. <laughs> The jet, the jet, yeah, exactly, right? That'll, that'll attract you to, to, to the Legion Podcast.com, you know, .com, and uh, to get us more exposure as, as a network. And your help would, would greatly help that if you guys want to go do that, felt so inclined. Um, yeah, with that, this is the end. And here at City Podcast, if you got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time. <laughs>
the only the only Ty West movie I enjoy is Kevin Tune. Yeah, and that's the one he Thank took what? his name off of. Yes. Yeah, he took his name off it because they changed it all. <laughs> yes, yes, Philip. I hate the innkeepers. I'll say it right now. I Aww. fucking hate the innkeepers. Oh, oh, House the of the Devil as well. House of yeah, the Devil is awesome. I never, I never saw House of the Devil because I was afraid because I hated the innkeeper so much. Oh, oh no, you must watch House of the Devil. So good. Check out House of the Devil. It's awesome. And I, I had a chance to meet the actor for, from the innkeepers. I, I, I passed on it, but I really enjoyed Cheap Thrills. I was kind of torn, you know. I, I liked Cheap Thrills too. Yeah, but I, I, I don't want. I don't want to tell him how bad the innkeeper sucks. I I stayed away from him. You know. You don't. You don't actually have to tell actors that. <laughs> <laughs> <Just say> hi. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's you weird. You get to choose it. what you say to people. No, no. But see, I. Gary I, I, has a full disclosure when he. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> see, I wait. I wait for the tick to come out because I've met a lot of these horror celebrities over the years. For them to say something stupid. Well, this fucking sucked. You, 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 you got any more questions for me, huh? You know? You, you, like, it's, it's, you, can, you can tell him what you think of the movie if he asks you what he thought of the movie. You know, if he says, did you like them keepers then? Feel free to unload. But if he says hi to you and smiles, you don't, you don't have to tell him. See, I, I, had I, a good, I had I, a good experience with Mr. Coscarelli, so I didn't say, you know what? That fucking Phantasm 4 was a mashup piece of shit. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> didn't have time to tell him. <laughs> there was one... I remember listening to an episode of the Blood, Bath, and Boomsticks podcast, mm-hmm. and I, I, can't, I can't remember if it was Kyle or Tim, but they were telling this really funny story about meeting, um, uh, oh, what's his name, John Saxon. Um, oh yeah. And, and he brought up this. He had brought up a DVD copy. I think it was like Zombie Nations or something. And John Saxon was just like, "Why the hell did you? Why do you have this movie? This is the <laughs> worst thing ever." And he's like, yeah. and and John Saxon's like, "Hey, come here, you know." I did this movie for this reason and that reason. How much does DVD cost? And well, it cost, well, here you go. Five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and that oh, was fantastic. I got to meet Kyle at, 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 at a convention in Indianapolis, which was a lot of fun. And he got dissed. He got hand fist dissed by Yap and Kodo. And I don't think he was ever the same since. Ah. Uh, I missed out a chance of meeting Yap and Kodo. He was actually here in Stockholm. Uh, uh, last month in the, yeah, this uh, sci-fi convention. Probably looking for aliens, man. That's, he's all into that stuff. I would have brought him a DVD copy of, uh, what was it called, Bone Design? That first film he did with uh, Larry Cohen. And when I say, oh, I mean actual aliens, because him mm-hmm. and his wife had a close encounter, and he believes that shit, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. sure. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. <laughs> you mean you don't, Gary? They're out there. That's why the X-Files are coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask Randy Quaid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody seen him recently? Holy crap! Yeah. He's probably still hanging out at Dennis Quaid's house outside. <laughs> he apparently released a sex tape with his wife or something. <laughs> now, that oh, be one of Did it look like Matango, the Creeping Terror? Just I will be honest. One giant really shag rug. That might be the only thing that I won't masturbate to. So. <laughs> Putting out there might be the keywords might. Nope, just that. Got to find a good angle. <laughs> there are no good angles. Uh...